Good evening, ghouls and fiends, and welcome once again to another edition of the Ministry of Horror. As always, I'm your host, Tez, and uh, welcome if you're watching this live on the MOS network. Uh, if you're listening to some podcast feeds, hello, whatever time of day it is and day of the week it is you are listening to this. Um, I hope you've all had a good week so far. It's only Tuesday at time of uh, recording and time of the show. Um, but I hope everyone's had an okay time. Um, shout out, first off, to Barracles for stepping into the breach and co-hosting on Sunday with Law. Um, hey, Hassan Terrell, how's it going? Um, yeah, they had a really good show. I listened to it um, Monday. I caught little glimpses of it Sunday evening, because Sunday couldn't do the show because uh, I'd gone to the Arnold Classic Expo in in Birmingham. Uh, it was really cool. Uh, it wasn't like too long of a drive. Uh, it wasn't too crazy. Um, we had a couple of dickheads on the road swerving around, cutting into lanes, you know, all that kind of bullshit. Um, but it was okay. It was, it was cool. I mean, we saw the women's uh under 64 kilogram overhead log press record broken they were some they looked like huge women like they they all looked incredibly big um but we actually saw a couple of them when we were at one of the um one of the stalls and they're actually very short so not not to say anything you know anything wrong with uh, being short or anything but uh, on the stage they look like goliaths and they are hench they are hench uh, but walking around it's like you're like five two by four at tops um surprising uh hey gruff good evening uh in the chat and fran the cannon evening final halloween trailer dropped a couple of hours ago i saw that drop i haven't watched it yet i think i might purposefully avoid trailers further on this i've seen an initial trailer i've heard all the little tidbits and i've heard the blurb for the film and i'm thinking i'm do you know what i i don't know if there'll be a trailer to get me on the hype train i'm gonna watch it hopefully opening night if not you know within a day of its release um as i did with the last two uh probably with um former guest of the show dean jovi good friend of mine um that's kind of what we did for the last two films um but uh yeah i i i just the the premise of it doesn't sound great in my opinion um and kills was a real kind of bummer is one of those things that it's kind of like the only thing i can liken it to is when sent anger came out by metallica and the first time i listened to it i was like okay yeah i think i like it uh, they've gone heavy again you know yeah i like it i think but the more i thought on it and then when i re-watched halloween uh kills or re-listened to sent anger i thought i don't know I don't actually like this that much. Kills had a couple of cool deaths, but I mean, we've talked on this channel a number of times about my opinion on Kills. I'll leave it there. I will watch Halloween Ends. I'm a fan of the franchise, um, but you know, not, I, I, I'll be surprised if it's really good. I mean, I did really enjoy 2018, so who knows? Who knows? Um, Gruff, I haven't seen it yet either. I may go see it at the cinema. Really hoping I'm not going to be disappointed. Yeah. Um, that's the thing. That is the thing. Baby Ice just joined the chat. Holla gang, I didn't get homework done this weekend. I didn't realise Dawn was a series, and after the first episode, I couldn't stop watching. Yes, I, I finished it about half an hour before we went live. 
Um, I had a lot of studying to do. I had an exam today, an accountancy exam. I won't find out the results for five to six weeks. Uh, I have sat this exam twice before. It's the only exam out of these uh, probably now 26, 28 exams in total done. Uh, well, so far done, yes, um, that I have failed twice. There's one other that I failed once, then passed, but all the other ones passed first time. Pain in the ass. plus it costs like 90 quid to 100 quid each time to sit the exam. Ugh. And I've got to pay my, my annual membership fee for this accountancy thing. That's like 100 quid. Ugh. But work reimburses, so yeah, not too bad. Um, but yeah, so I, ha I didn't have a lot of time to watch much horror in the last few days and sunday was out all the time i did start watching a film which i was gonna review and i might review it next week if i do watch it i got 20 minutes into it earlier on and i thought oh no i'm this doesn't really this is not engaging me at all called a uh, raven's raven's hollow raven's point we mentioned it on the news last week shudder shudder exclusive edgar Allan poe maybe watch it next week maybe watch it next week um but yeah, so uh, Barraclay stepped into the breach on uh, the Ministry of Slam on Sunday. Didn't get the 211 quiz, I heard. Um, oh, man. I think it's just the pressure. It must just be the pressure when the spotlight's on you. He'll he'll get it done one one time, you know. I hope I hope so. <laughs> I also heard I got a bit of a ribbing. Um, <laughs> it's all good fun. I've not written up my letter of resignation, don't worry. Uh, but yeah, before we get into the news, a couple of things we've got to plug. So... Uh, we've done, I need to watch this week's uh, House of the Dragon for the next uh, edition of um, Ministry of Dragons, which we'll be recording this week to go out on Saturday. New episode dropped today for members only from Lawrence um, and his brother Gareth um, of the Ministry of Marvel, their show talking about uh, Marvel. New episode of that has dropped. So if you want to listen to that or watch that, that's under the memberships. Uh, we've got memberships, loads of perks that come with that, like emoji unlocks. Uh, you can get exclusive content reviews. I believe uh, Thor's film request review, both myself and uh, Lawrence with Merrill separately um i'm gonna i'm gonna watch it and hopefully record a video this week review that is the remake of funny games i have seen this film a very long time ago I've seen the original a very long time ago i had lawrence knows nothing about this film um all i've said to him is maybe queue up uh one of your favorite comedies or something to watch afterwards and he said oh is it depressing i said well it's not a pleasant film that's literally all i'm gonna say uh so at some point um one of the membership exclusive reviews that we'll be doing uh will be the remake of Funny Games. Um, but yeah, that's the memberships. Uh, so if you're watching the channel, please uh, remember to like like the stream, subscribe to the channel. It all helps. It's all good. I think that's everything. So let's just, let's just jump into some news. We've got plenty to get through. Um, and before we do the news, actually, I should just say about today's show, uh, the topic of discussion is uh, with Netflix's recent show, uh, Dharma, uh whatever it was monster the jeffrey dharma story we are going to be reviewing that in the reviews because i've i've finished that now um but that is kind of forming part of the topic of the main discussion a bit later on we're going to just talk about uh serial killer real life serial killer films Dharma's a series but when we talk about films um and dharma and just kind of discussing the topic of is this uh entertainment or exploitation it's going to be a potentially a hot-button topic. I don't think there's necessarily a 100% correct answer, but that's the point of a discussion. Getting some points out there discussing 
pros and cons, things in favour of one side, things in favour of the other. When I say in favour, I don't mean good. I mean things pointing in that direction or maybe pointing in this direction. And also when I use the term entertainment, I should just preface that as I don't mean as in, ha I'm entertained. I mean as in, you know, a thriller can be entertaining, a horror can be entertaining. Um, it's engaging, but the difference in entertainment exploitation, exploitation is are we potentially using a horrific time in history with real people that were with real families that were that were murders murdered that became victims um are they being used for um exploitation for gore splatter for the horror fiends you know that's that's kind of what we're going to go for i mean we're not going to go for every single horror film adaptation of a serial killer story i've i've nitpicked it down to a handful because we'll be here all night. And also, I've not seen all of them. As in all the films of serial killers. You know, just come on. I'm a human being, for crying out loud. Um, so let's jump into 11 new horror movies that are releasing this week, including The Monsters and Smile. Uh, this comes from John Squires at bloodydisgusting.com. Drop the link in the chat if you wish. So... Here are the new horrors that are arriving from September 27th to October the 2nd. Uh, first up is Rob Zombie's The Monsters, which comes to Blu-ray, VOD, and Netflix on Tuesday, September 27th. A fresh and colourful new take on the classic black and white television series. Jeff Daniel Phillips is playing Herman Munster, and Sherry Moon Zombie is playing Lily Munster in Zombie's movie. With Daniel Roebuck co-starring as Grandpa Munster. Please have a quick swig. <laughs> Meryl Hamilton in the chat. Um, Hi, guys. We are watching you while eating dinner. Does Funny Games have a clown in it? I, I, I'm sorry, Meryl. I don't want to tell you anything about what's in Funny Games. Um, I will just say don't expect to laugh. I'm, t I'm literally just going to say that. Um, and also, all, all I'll also say is it's not a film I've selected. Um, so don't be giving me any shit if you don't have a good time watching the film. Um, so, uh, in the brand new movie, uh, The Monsters, Herman and Lily's crazy courtship takes the monsters on a hauntingly hilarious trip from Transylvania to Hollywood in the all-new feature-length film. Richard Brake of 31 and 3 from Hell is playing Dr. Henry Augustus Wolfgang. Catherine Schell of Space 1999 and The Return of the Pink Panther is playing Zoya Krupp, the Gypsy Queen. Dee Wallace, Cassandra Elvira Peterson and George Garcia also star in the film alongside original Monsters television series actors Butch Patrick and Pat Priest. Huh. I don't recognise a few of those people in it. I recognised Elvira and George Garcia. I didn't notice who Dee Wallace was or Butch Patrick. I don't know who Pat Priest is, so I can tell you. Uh, next up, a group of friends receive the surprise of their lives uh, when they realise there's a real killer on a scene of a local haunted trail in Level 33 Entertainment's Haunted Trail. Directed by Robert Givens, the film hits digital and VOD on September 27th. In Haunted Trail, a group of college friends visit a local haunted trail. After many screams and a few nervous laughs, an actual killer approaches the group. Scared out of their minds, the friends run through the trail, trying their best to end to get to the end without being killed. After much of the group is slaughtered, the remaining friends make a horrific discovery about who the killer really is. 
Hmm. Written by Raven Magwood, uh, Paul Lindsay, and produced by Magwood and Jock McKissick. Man, if someone's called Jock, then they kind of they kind of have to be a you know a, a footballer or lacrosse player because apparently lacrosse is a jock sport. Who'd have, who'd have thought it? Uh, the film stars comedians Desi Banks and Reggie Coos, along with Marquise C. Brown, uh, Brooke Sill, Raven Magwood, Matt William Knowles, uh, Anna Purdin, and Grace Purdin. That sounds interesting. I mean, I it's kind of similar to... Um, there's a couple of films I've seen where there's like... Uh, Haunted houses, but there's a real killer in them, or kind of like a Halloween Horror Nights type event, but there's a real killer there. And to be honest, both of the two that I can think of, but I can't think of any of the names, like uh, Hellfest might be one. I can't think of the other one. One's a bit more comedy, the other one's a bit more serious. I actually found them both entertaining, so even though it's uh, it's something that's been done a few times recently, uh, I'm interested. I'm interested. Those other two I had no expectations going into so and i found them quite entertaining so maybe let's have a quick look at what's going on in the chat the gruff never heard of funny games i'm interested around the canon the gruff there's two versions the foreign language and the u.s remake my name is not earl watched the monsters the other day worse than i thought it would be uh the gruff uh fran oh um oh what language is the original i'm not going to be watching the monsters no interest in the familiar and this new one looks bloody awful Brian the Can, Hellfest is one. Yes, yes, I thought so. Um, and then the Gruff says, no interest or familiar with it. No, or, or familiar with it. And Lawrence, hey, how's it going, dude? Thanks for joining the show. Um, I look forward to you watching Funny Games. And yeah, hit me up. Um, Evening-wise, I'm pretty much free to do... There's a couple of recordings uh, I mentioned doing on... Uh, kind of separate so yeah drop me drop me a, ch uh, a message dude and we will uh we'll get some extra content filmed and i will watch this week funny games and uh you know what i i, I might record my reactions and then just uh we can we can put together a little diced up part of uh <laughs> of our reactions we'll see what comes out of it but uh, either way we're going to be doing some form of review for that uh next up the road to Halloween has been paved with a handful of brand new horror movies in theatres this year, and that continues this coming weekend with the arrival of Paramount's Smile. Uh, I've seen a couple of little little mini trailers of this, and it kind of seems interesting. I mean, the Smile thing was a bit of a weird thing in uh, that film, Truth or Dare, which was a bit cack from memory. Um, but a creepy smile is always, always interesting, because... What's creepier than someone smiling at you in a scenario where they probably shouldn't be smiling? Uh, Smile begins playing only in theatres on Thursday, September 29th. I, I might actually see if that's... I mean, I don't have any local cinemas because I live in the middle of fucking nowhere. Uh, but I might see if that's available uh, in any kind of UK cinemas. Uh, horror, unless it's big-name big horror, tends to get fairly limited releases um, in, in the UK. So hmm. I'll be interested in watching that. In the film, after witnessing a bizarre traumatic incident involving a patient, Dr. Rose Cotter, um, played by Sosie Bacon, starts experiencing frightening occurrences that she can't explain. As an overwhelming terror begins taking over her life, Rose must confront her troubling past in order to survive and escape her horrifying new reality. Smile also stars Jesse T. Usher from The Boys, Cal Penn, Rob Morgan of Stranger Things, Kyle Garner of Scream 2022. Oh, and Cal Penn's from... Um, Harold and Kumar. 
um, and Caitlin Stacy of All Cheerleaders Die. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. It's one of those films where, I mean, sometimes I just like to know the, the, the least amount of possible before going into a film, just so I can uh, really experience it uh, with, a, with an open mind, with a clean, clean palate, so to speak. No expectations. Um, I don't know a lot about Smile, so maybe I might actually seek that one out. Um, next up... The Store becomes a movie with Spirit Halloween, the movie, uh, which will begin its limited theatrical release on Friday, September 30th. The film then comes to VOD next month on October 11th. Spirit Halloween, the movie, is the featured directorial debut of David Poig and stars Christopher Lloyd, Rachel Lee Cook, Marla Gibbs, and a fantastic cast of up-and-coming talent including Donovan Colon, uh, Marissa Reyes, Jaden J. Smith, and Dylan Martin Frankel many of whom making their big screen debuts. The film tells the story of three middle school friends who spend the night locked inside a spirit Halloween store only to discover that the store is haunted. Who were misses? Um, like the other films, uh, trailers are in the link, so if you are interested, that is in the live chat. Give it a click. Uh, if you listen to this later date, uh, head to bloodydisgusting.com. They have some great, great bits and bobs. Um... Uh, what we've got in the live chat. My name's Noel. Cal Penn uh, is in an interesting movie called Searching. Uh, what's that, Cal? Um, what's that, Cal Penn? Or was that the other guy in Harold and Kumar? Whose name I can't remember. I'm not, not entirely sure my name is Noel. I can't think of the real uh, the real names of Harold and Kumar. I'm sure Kumar is Cal Penn. Um, John Chu, yes. Yes. That's the one that's in Searching. Um, da, 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 da. Fran the Cannon. Looks like my local has smile. Interesting. Oh, okay. Um, I'm going to have to do... I'm going to have to do a bit of Googling. Because I think the locus to, local local cinema to me is either... 50 minutes to an hour away in Pool, or 50 minutes to an hour away in Salisbury, or 50 minutes to an hour away in Bournemouth. Everything's basically about an hour away. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, that's what you get for moving to the sticks. Yeah. Um, interesting little tip. I won't go into it, but I uh, went to Kern Abbas for the first time at the weekend. Um, nice place. I'll say no more. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of family-friendly frights, the hotly anticipated they, and Ken Abbs definitely doesn't have a cinema. It's uh, it's where there's the big uh image of the man on the hill, but there's a lot of pubs down there, and I've visited a, uh, a lovely pub. Um, speaking of family-friendly frights, the hotly anticipated Hocus Pocus 2 will premiere on Disney Plus on September 30th, a brand new sequel to the classic Halloween movie from the 90s. Bette Midler, Sarah Jessica Parker, and Kathy Najimy are back as the Sanderson sisters. And I have to say, looking at this image, it's quite unnerving that it's 30... 32, 30, 32 years later. And they all look pretty much the same in this image as in the original film. Um, I remember when the original film came out and was on TV, like the first time it was on TV. 
and thinking Sarah Jessica Parker was hot as in it. And then a few years later, my sister was like banging on about the show Sex and the City, and I watched it. And I'm not going to talk disparagingly about anyone's looks, uh, but I remember thinking she does not look like she did in Hocus Pocus. <laughs> um. But it's been 29 years since someone lit the black flame candle and resurrected the 17th century sisters who were executed for practicing witchcraft and they are looking for revenge. Now it is up to three high school students to figure out how to stop the ravenous witches from wrecking a new kind of havoc on Salem before midnight on All Hallows' Eve. Doug Jones will also return the sequel as Billy Butcherson. Uh, Anne Fletcher, who directed uh, The Guilt Trip, directed Hocus Pocus 2 for Disney+. Plus. Now, I'm not really into Disney films. Um, haven't really been that interested in them since I was a kid, and even then it was more my sister liked them. Uh, but I do remember Hocus Pocus being kind of fun. It had that kind of, I guess, kind of similar to uh, The Witches, which is obviously you know, Witches as well, but that kind of element of, there's a bit of peril, but, you know, it's it's not too spooky. You know, so that the, the spooky elements... Uh, in intrigued me but it's the sort of thing where you know you're allowed to watch it at a very young age because it's not a horror at all um will i watch hocus pocus 2 probably not <laughs> i do have disney plus so i get it free with my phone contract um and i only really watch welcome to wrexham um old action movies that are on there they've got a couple of horror things i'm hoping they get hellraiser um the new hellraiser because that is a hulu exclusive and with prey that was a hulu film we got that on disney plus so i'm hoping that's how we get Hellraiser, because I do really want to watch Hellraiser. I'm not a big Hellraiser franchise fan, uh, as we've discussed previously, but I do think that trailer looks really good, really interesting. Let's have a quick look at the chat. Uh, quick question. Is Downton Abbey a real place? Uh, I think so. I know a lot of it was filmed near where I, I used to live, um, near like Ringwood, Verwood sort of area. They did some some scenes down, down that way. Eddie Hickey. Hey, Eddie. How's it going, dude? Um, my name's not Earl. Wonder if Thora Birch will appear in Hocus Pocus 2. I'm not sure. Thora Birch is cool. Um, I haven't really seen her in much these days that I can think of. But yeah, she, she was cool back in the day. Frank the Cannon can't beat Basil, the great mouse detective. Yeah, that creeped me out. Um, that had some creepy moments in it as a kid. That bat. Um, ah, Eddie's got a cold. I uh, hope it clears up soon, dude. Hope you start feeling better. Uh, next up, now this is something I think maybe Fran has mentioned previously in the chat. Um, author Grady Hendrix released his second novel, My Best Friend's Exorcism, back in 2016, which he describes as Beaches meets The Exorcist. Set in the, uh, the late 80s during the so-called Satanic Panic, it's a touching story of high school friendship and, well, demonic possession. A movie adaptation is on the way, debuting on Amazon Prime on September 30th, 2022. Okay, so hopefully we get that here in the UK as well. Um, Elsie Fisher of Texas Chainsaw Massacre and 8th Grade and um, Amaya Miller, star in the film, directed by Damon Thomas, who worked on Penny Dreadful. The year is 1988. High school sophomores. So sophomore like your second year of high school. I mean, in the UK, I didn't have a high school. I had a secondary school or a comprehensive school. High school's do seem to be more common these days now in the UK, uh, but I don't. We don't necessarily refer to our things as like freshmen, sophomore, seniors. It's like year, blah blah blah. 
Anyway, high school sophomores Abby and Gretchen have been best friends since fourth grade, but after an evening of skinny dipping goes disastrously wrong, Gretchen begins to act different. She's moody, she's irritable, and bizarre instances keep happening whenever she's nearby. Abby's investigation leads her to some startling discoveries. I don't know why I went a bit Garth Marenghi there. I have pre-ordered the uh, with a Prime, um, uh, an Audible credit, I have pre-ordered uh, his Terratome audiobook as read by Garth Marenghi. I can't wait. Um, and by the time their story reaches its terrifying conclusion, the fate of Abby and Gretchen will be determined by a single question. Is their friendship powerful enough to beat the devil? Uh, there's a trailer on the channel. I've not watched the trailer yet. I mean, I remember I almost bought the book a little while ago, and we have discussed this on previous shows. And because I saw on the back that it's young adult fiction, I kind of thought, ah, is this going to be a bit more... I'd have maybe been interested in this when I was very young, because I mean, I started reading like The Exorcist and Stephen King's It when I was in junior school. Uh, so like when I was like nine or 10 or whatever, uh, eight, nine or 10. So I was reading a, lo a lot more advanced things than my friends. Um, but I may have still got a kick out of this because I did also like Goosebumps back in the day. But I have heard that it is very good. So I, you know, I shouldn't have dismissed it and gone, ah, probably not for me because it's based maybe a younger audience. But if people have read My Best Friend's Exorcism, or if you've watched the trailer, uh, let me know in the chat if it's something you're interested uh, in. I don't know too much about it. Next up, God, Lord, there's a lot of films coming out this week, which is good. Which is good. And I think it's still going to be like that because we, got, uh, we, we are entering spooky season. I know people think September's spooky season, but to me, October is spooky season. Let's keep the, the seasons, as in for holidays, the particular month. And if people say that we're in Christmas season in November, fuck off. Uh, Cranked Up Films will be releasing the horror movie After She Died this Halloween season. A supernatural haunter from writer-director and visual effects artist Jack Dignan. The film comes to on-demand outlets on September 30th, 2022. Uh, Dignan, who worked on the visual effects for this year's major Hollywood movies, Thor, Love and Thunder, which wasn't really very good. I mean, not the visual effects, but the film wasn't. It, it was Thor, Appetite for Destruction should have been what it was called and elvis uh, which i've got no interest in i don't really care about elvis to be honest um makes his future directorial debut with after she died in the film jen's mother is dead her relationship with her father john is fractured beyond repair her friends all recent high school graduates are moving on with their lives and leaving behind the small town they once called home jen is in every sense of the word alone that is until john introduces jen to his new girlfriend florence a woman who looks and sounds identical to Jen's dead mother. Okay. Interesting. That does sound kind of interesting. Again, trailer's there. I've not watched it yet. Uh, as I say every time, because the new films tend to, list tends to come out not too long before the show goes live, so I don't really have time to actually watch any of the trailers. Um, Fran the Can in the chat, he's also written one called The Final Girl Survivors Group. Uh, okay. Have you read it? Any good? Uh, Eddie Hickey, I love Halloween month. You and me both. My name is not Earl. Elvis was not bad. And Baby Eyes, I enjoyed Elvis a lot. Um, I mean, before we can... Oh, fucking hell, there's a lot to get... There's lots more on this list. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll talk about at the end of the show what we've got coming up in a few weeks. But talking about horror season or Halloween season, I should say. We've got, a, we've got plans in place. We've got plans in place for a special show. Um... 
So my name is not El Elvis is not bad. Baby Ice, I enjoyed Elvis a lot. Eddie Hickey, I've not seen Elvis yet. Um, no, I've not seen it. Um, I, I might watch it if it comes onto a streaming service for free. Um, I've heard good things, though. Next, Lionsgate's new horror movie, Devil's Workshop, will open up for business in select theatres on demand and digital from September 30th, and you can watch the Red Band trailer in the link. Rada Mitchell and Emile Hirsch star in the film, a supernatural horror movie. In a chilling psychological thriller featuring Emile Hirsch from Into the Wild, a struggling actor Clayton, played by Timothy Granaderos, is desperate for a role as a demonologist. He contacts Eliza, played by Rada Mitchell of Man on Fire, an expert in devil law, to help him prepare and spends the weekend at her home. Eliza forces Clayton to confront his troubling past, perform dark rituals and sacrifice a goat. Does she want to help Clayton, seduce him, nor destroy him? The shocking climax will set your soul ablaze, Lionsgate teases. Okay. Again, it kind of sounds interesting. We've got a few here that are piquing my interest. Sometimes the uh, the new films can sound a bit, eh, you know, kind of sound a bit like, oh, I'm probably not going to watch that. Oh, the next film I've actually already got downloaded on my Skybox because it's, it came to Sky last week. Um, so up next from the writer-director Anna Lily Amipour, um, who did A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night and Bad Batch, is fantasy thriller Mona Lisa and the Blood Moon, which will be released this week. But in the UK, it's a Sky Cinema film, so it actually came out on Sky Cinema last week. And I downloaded it. I haven't watched it yet. And when I say downloaded, I pay for Sky Cinema, and it's part of the package, having an on-demand service. So I will probably try and watch that at some point. Maybe. I don't know. I've got a few days off work now, um, so I'm sure I can, I'm sure I can find some time. Uh, Mona Lisa and the Blood Moon comes to theatres digital on demand September 30th from Sabin, described as a demon-out-of-water fairy tale thriller by Variety. Kate Hudson um, and uh, Ju Jong-Siel star in this mind-bending thriller from visionary director Anna Lily Amapur, when a struggling single mother befriends a mysterious mental institute escapee with supernatural powers, she sees a lucrative opportunity to make some fast cash. But they draw the attention of a detective, played by Craig Robinson, who's just awesome. Uh, their luck starts to run out as the cops close in on their crime spree. Um, Ed Screen and Evan Whittle also star. Next up, Terror Films. We've talked about Terror Films before. We'll release the Michael Pare starring Bigfoot horror movie, The Wild Man, uh, this week, which will first premiere on digital platforms on Friday, September the 30th. Um, I mean, there is a screenshot. I've not, again, not seen the trailer. There is a screenshot in, in the link in the chat. Uh, interesting effects. On, on the Bigfoot. Uh, the film, directed by Ryan Justice, who did Followers, will, was developed during the pandemic. Young women have been going missing in um, Ocopee, Florida, without a single suspect in custody. A young journalist, Sarah, convinces her crew to join her investigation as she travels to um, Ocopee to document her discoveries, but they soon realise their presence in this town is not welcome. Um... Sorry, quick honk honk of hope. Determined to find her story, Sarah convinces her friends to stick with her because they're onto something big. Upon meeting Dale, the town's notorious conspiracy theorist, she's convinced he knows more than he is willing to share. The crew humours Dale's ridiculous theories, even accompanying him into the Florida swamps on his quest to show them the wild man, hoping he'll somehow reveal his guilt. But what the crew discovers is a secret much deeper than fairy tales and legends. What they discover is much darker and more sinister than they bargained for. 
Ni hao. Um, and then, on the small screen, don't forget that uh, The Walking Dead is back with its final episodes this Sunday, with AMC's Interview with the Vampire series also premiering on Sunday. And also don't miss Shudder's new documentary series, Queer for Fear, which explores the history of queer horror and premieres exclusively on Shudder on Friday, September 30th. We'd, we got through it. We got through all the new films. Sweet Jesus, we got a few. Uh, we got a few news things to get to after this, but that's the eleven new horror films coming out this week, guys. Let me know in the chat if uh, any of those have piqued your interest. And if you're not watching live, hit me up on on Twitter um, at Ministry underscore Horror and let me know what horror films from this list or just in general that you're going to be watching this coming week. So. Next up in the news, Brad Miska reports this on Blood Disgusting. The Outwaters. Screenbox just acquired one of the scariest movies of the year. Huge, huge, huge news today as we're excited to announce that uh, Sydney Diggum, Bloody Disgusting and Screenbox have teamed to acquire all North American rights to Robbie Banfitch's haunting and hellish horror nightmare, The Outwaters. Uh, the news was first reported by Variety this afternoon. The visceral, chaotic and disorientating horror film is hands down one of the scariest films of the year. I mean, that's that's high that's high praise. Normally when I hear something like scariest film of the year, scariest film of all time, doesn't often hit it. I remember there was a film called um, Veronica, Victoria, Spanish possession film on Netflix uh, two, three years back. And that had the praise of being one of the scariest films of like the last ten years. It was all right, not that memorable. It wasn't. It wasn't. Definitely wasn't like one of the scariest things I've seen. No. Um. It uh, night nightmarish conjurings noted it was a rare gift in horror and something viewers haven't seen before. While um, Blood Disgusting's very own Megan Navarro called it a singular experimental descent into depravity and gory chaos. Uh, in fact, Daily Dead calls a terrifying, suffocating viewing experience, while iHorror says it's on track to become the next cult horror movie, adding that it's the most disturbing movie of the year. The throwback to the early days of the found footage genre, Cinedigan plans to release The Outwaters in theatres early next year, followed by an exclusive launch on its horror streaming service, Screambox, which is powered by Bloody Disgusting. Um, there's a whole little piece on it, but... Uh, I mean, I'm hearing. Just make a note of the film, The Outwaters. There's been a lot of a lot of hype for it. A lot of hype for it. Will it will it reach that hype? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Probably not. Uh, what a chat saying. Blah, 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 blah. My name is not Earl. Emil Hirsch is great in Killer Joe. Seriously, Killer Joe is a movie everyone should see. I've still not seen Killer Joe. I do like Emil Hirsch though. I've seen a few a few of his films. Um, Alpha Dog. I thought that was pretty good. Um, Into the Wild. There's been a few that he's in. He's a good actor. Eddie Hickey, you interested in real life film of The Last of Us? Uh, I've I've heard there's been a trailer for it. I've not watched the trailer yet. I really like the games, so I will watch it. I'm interested to see how it's adapted. It's by HBO, so it's probably going to be pretty decent. HBO don't really put out much fluff. Um, casting wise. I mean, I don't really care too much. Pedro Pascal's a good actor. I imagine it'd be a good Joel. Um, the girl from Game of Thrones, whose name I can't remember, that is playing Ellie. I mean, she was all right in the role she played in Game of Thrones, but I don't know what her range is like. I haven't seen her do other roles, and 
Uh, obviously, Ellie is very different to the role she played in Game of Thrones, but we'll see. We'll see. I'll reserve judgment until I've seen some content. But uh, I do know that a trailer has now been released, or a teaser. I've not watched it yet, um, but we shall see. Um, next up, Follow Me. Connie Nielsen is starring in a Hitchcockian psychological thriller. This comes from John Squires, blooddiscussing.com. Billed as being Hitchcockian, the upcoming psychological thriller Follow Me has landed Connie Nielsen from Nobody as its star, with Variety first reporting the news this afternoon. Siri Rodnes uh, is directing for Catalyst Studios. Sam Hunt and Steph Dawson also star. Written by Mark Pennell, Follow Me is described as a tense psychological thriller with all the twists and turns of a classic Hitchcockian thriller, pushing boundaries and blurring the lines between relationships to reveal that money, secrets and deception is a deadly mix. The film is being produced by Devin D. Johnny for Catalyst Studios, Holly Levkow, Mark Pennell and Paul Camphart executive producing um oh in the chat Fran the can says the last of us trailer gave me early walking dead vibes now that's interesting you could argue that the first uh first couple maybe first three seasons of the walking dead are its best i don't think there's much argument i think that's barely <laughs> when it's more grounded um when it became less repet when it before it was very kind of repetitive and overly drawn out um, but if you still watch The Walking Dead and enjoy it, fair play to you. That is cool. Um, I've contemplated jumping back in to where I kind of left out, but then I just thought, oh. it became like what Monday Night Raw became, where you're just going, you know, it's another thing where they're out in the forest and they're hunting the saviors, and then the saviors are killing one of theirs, and then um, Jeffrey Dean Morgan as Negan is doing a really drawn out. Um, monologue, and then they're attacking the state. Uh, you know, it just it became that, but it just became very strange, very boring, repetitive, and bullshit. Well, someone just slammed a door. Sorry, uh, podcast listeners, people listening live. I'm just going to check my front doorbell because that was incredibly loud. Or one of the crackheads upstairs. Um, I don't know if they're crackheads. I'm sure they're. I'm sure they're fine. Anyway, first-person horror mystery game Charon's Staircase launches October 28th, PC and consoles. This is some gaming news. Uh, wondering about just when Indigo Studios' X-Files-esque Charon Staircase will launch. The dev said back in June that the game was going to arrive next month. This, again, comes from Mike Wilson at BlowDiscussing.com. Uh, we never got an answer last month when the game made an appearance at Gamescom, but today's the day. The game's publishers, uh, Soadesco, has announced that Charon's Staircase will launch on PlayStation 4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series, Nintendo Switch, and PC via Steam in the Epic Game Store on October 28th. Charon's Staircase takes place in the 1970s, hence the 70s Central European era atmosphere, involving a totalitarian regime known as the Ministry. The Ministry is looking to leave behind its days of brutal rule over the populace of joining the European Union. Of course, in order to do so, they have to clean up some things. You play as an agent, codenamed Desmond, who has been sent by the Ministry to find and destroy classified documents from the Oak Grove estate that would serve as evidence of the Ministry's past. However, you soon discover Project Alpha, a rather unpleasant secret that the Ministry is keen on keeping under wraps. 
Now you've got to survive this hellish nightmare you've stumbled into and escape Oaks Grove's horrors. Uh, funnily enough, the screenshot they've chosen to use... Uh, I'll put the link in the chat if you want, but we've kind of just read through what uh, what is in the article. The screenshot they've used is just incredibly dark. I mean, you can see like a dark uh, hallway with some silhouettes of, of people. I imagine it's a creepy moment in the game, but it's not really selling it when you can just go like, well, what am I looking at here? The premise there kind of sounds interesting and X-Files-esque. I like X-Files. You have my attention. Uh, let's move on. Another quick honk. Whoa. Communion. Oh, sorry. Satan Slaves Communion. Shudder is releasing Joko Anwar's sequel this year. From uh, John Squires, but disgusting. A sequel to Joko Anwar's horror movie Satan Slaves is on the way, with Deadline announcing that Shudder has acquired Satan Slaves Communion, also directed by Joko Anwar. Deadline reports... The film, which is the first Indonesian movie shot with IMAX technology, will stream exclusively on Shudder in the US, Canada, the UK, Ireland, Australia and New Zealand from November 4th. Released theatrically in Indonesia in August, the film became one of the first local productions to score big at the post-pandemic box office. The sequel revolves around a family living in a rundown apartment after escaping terror from their mother, who returned from death not knowing that their new home is a bigger threat to their lives. Tara Basro, Bront Paleri, Andy Arfian, Nazar Ennuz, Eggy Fedley, and Ayu Laksmi are back for the sequel, starring alongside new faces featuring Muzaki Ram, uh, Ramdhan, Fatih Anru, Ratu Felicia, Jordi Pranata, Kiki Narendra, Nafrizra Fatia, and Rani, and Iqbal Saluman. I think I did okay there, actually. I'm, I'm normally very bad at pronouncing names. Uh, for at least the last half decade, Joko Anwar has been directing some of the best horror movies in the world. The original Satan Slaves is widely lauded as one of the scariest movies in Shudder's history. I've never heard of it. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll have to have a look. Why don't we have, actually have a quick look at this now, chat? I've got Shudder via Prime. I'm not paying for it again just directly from Shudder because there's not a huge amount of difference. Um, what am I doing? Let's just do a search. On Prime Video, Satan's Slaves. Um, I, I think it's just on... Oh, it's on Shudder, yeah. Included with your Shudder subscription. Okay, let's add that to my watch list, which my watch list got, got quite big. Uh, we did a watch party on Friday, and um, Fran the Cannon in the chat informed me that there's a whole bunch of new films on uh, Freevee. Oh, in the chat, Eddie, thanks for stopping by. Catch you later, Eddie. Take care. Um, and yes, I've had a bunch of Freevee films on my watch list. Funnily enough, it's like my Netflix watch list. I add stuff to it, and I very rarely actually watch my, go for my watch list to find something to watch. But I will. I will finally watch Needful Things, at least. That is in my watch list. Um, so, ba -da -ba -da -ba -da. so they're beyond thrilled to have Joko back with a sequel that more than lives up to the original. We can't wait for our members to see how this terrifying story plays out, said Shudder General Manager Craig Engler. I'm thrilled to have Shudder releasing Satan's Slaves Communion and presenting the movie to its perfect audience. The film's a direct sequel to the first one will answer some questions left in the first movie while opening up new things to explore in the storyline. Do we have any fans of Satan's Slaves in the chat? 
Uh, Baby Ice says, sounds like a 70s British horror film or a 90s B movie. I'm intrigued. Yeah. I will, uh, it's a shame you can't watch party Shudder films. Otherwise, we'd, we'd have a lot more things to, to watch party. We, we'll, we'll do a watch party this week. I will find films better than the films we watched last week. Um, if anyone doesn't watch on Twitch, I'll occasionally do uh, prime horror film watch parties. Uh, Twitch.tv forward slash Tezius. Um And the films we watched were The Brain, which was actually all right, a Canadian, Canadian horror. And a film called Brain Dead, not the Peter Jackson one. And that was terrible. That was really bad. <laughs> well, moving on to our last piece of news. Now, this is gaming, but this is tabletop gaming. Hmm. So, from Blow Disgusting, John Squires. The Zone. Tabletop RPG manifests your obsessions and phobias into a nightmare experience. After hundreds of expeditions into the free digital version, the gorgeous boxed physical edition of tabletop RPG The Zone is finally funded on Kickstarter as of today, September 27th. What is The Zone? The Zone is a tabletop RPG for one to six players about lost souls on a surreal play-to-lose journey to the centre of an alien place that manifests their phobias and obsessions until everyone mutates and only one survives. The game is inspired by Annihilation, Stalker, Roadside Picnic and the SCP Foundation. The team previews it's a doomed journey for one to six players into a psychedelic place procedurally generated from characters' inner psyches with unique play-to-lose mechanics that create an experience halfway between annihilation and a tarot reading that only one player can survive it's incredibly accessible to the beginners and designed to be played in the dark uh this is a game about mutating deeply flawed characters to bring them face to face with their deepest phobias and obsessions characters are defined in just a few minutes from the thing that they want most and their greatest fear and every part of the game is designed to push a wedge into their psyche to confront them with who they really are uh, plays right out of the box with zero prep in two to three hours. Each zone is unique, co-created from characters' obsessions and phobias. It's not a power fantasy. Predefined fates free up pure, horrible creativity. Uh, a ludicrously atmospheric experience that you can play in the dark. Uh, the core set includes 50-plus scene cards, 30-plus not-so-easy cards, 14 fate cards, plus holographic foil tarot-sized cards for 40-plus locations, 40-plus motivations, and seven, to char seven, uh, seven character archetypes, as well as the operational man manual and facilitator cards. I'd like to get into tabletop gaming, but none of my friends <laughs> are interested in it. And like I say, I live in the middle of nowhere. So this does sound very interesting. And it does say you can play it with one player, but I mean, I'd, I'm not to sound like a snob. I, I, I don't think I could bring myself to play, <laughs> play uh, a, a, a tabletop game one player uh, that's just that's not me no but it sounds interesting and i think they've uh it's been funded via kickstarter it said so yeah that comes out it's finally funding oh it's oh the kickstarter starts today sorry that is starting on kickstarter so i mean i'll drop a, a link in the chat um, and we'll see how it's doing over on kickstarter let's have a quick look Let's have a quick look. Oh, fuck. Okay, well, it's funded. <laughs> There's 35 days to go. Uh, the pledged goal was uh, £9,279. And so far, 250 backers have got it to £21,458. Um, I mean, cool. It does look cool. The images do look cool. 
but yeah, like I say, I it's it's one of those games if I purchased it. I mean the core set fifty nine dollars, that's what about I don't know fifty quid at the moment, something like that. A complete set with uh, additional decks seventy nine uh dollars. The containment edition is everything but above it contained according to federal bureau of coherence protocols so you get a protective case which looks pretty cool actually snap lights zone stickers and a print poster of any character um it does it does look cool you have to play it in the dark with the the snap sticks so yeah if you're interested uh you can back it get a copy i mean it's, it's met its pledge so there's no reason why it shouldn't then be released so what's the chat saying? The Gruff. Oh man, Brain Dead was awful. So awful. Uh, Baby Ice worse than the Bingo Horror movie? Yes. I mean, I didn't really pay attention at all to Bingo Horror, uh, Bingo Hell, but it was just like, oh god. I hate a film when it turns out it's in the character's head, and this was that times ten. Um, Fran the Cannon in the chat. Yes, Baby Ice. It had Bill Paxton and Bill Pullman in it, and it still managed to suck. And then Baby Ice is still upset about the quarry. I'm mad that we still didn't kill Dal Dylan Dag Nabbit. Yeah, I mean, Dylan survived. He uh, he ain't going down without a fight. Now, I am going to be very unprofessional. And uh, I am going to have a look just to see if that's... Because I will forget. My memory is terrible. Uh, I will see if that uh, Smile film is at a local cinema to me. Um, no, not today. Uh, bu bu comes out. Oh, it is. Oh shit. I'm yeah, yeah. I might go to watch that. Oh, and in October they're also doing 30th anniversary 4K screening of Dracula, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Um, also 35th anniversary 4K restoration screening of The Lost Boys. Also, 4K restoration, 40th anniversary of the Polt of not the Poltergeist, but Poltergeist. Uh, couldn't care less about Harry Potter. And then also a 40th anniversary 4K restoration of the Thing on Halloween. Now that would be cool if I didn't already own a 4K version of the Thing. I've owned about three different Blu-rays of it. Um, I am still tempted though because I fucking love that film. Uh, Fran the Can, according to the Kickstarter page, there's an online version we can play. Oh, that'd be cool. That would be cool. And Fran the Cannon, well, it's at Salisbury. Oh, Smiles at Salisbury. Hmm. Fran the Cannon, do we arrange MO MOH cinema event? That could be pretty cool. Um, but yeah, again, I've not seen the trailer. It's an 18. Not many films these days. Cinema releases are rated 18. That's Big studios can look at that as a bit of a kiss of death. Um, but, oh, cool. Cool, cool, cool. So that is it for the news. Let's move on. I'm going to cue up the sound so I can think on my vape. If you hang up on me again, I'll cut you like a fish, understand? I think a sound played, but nothing came out of my headphones. Uh, let me try this one. This is God. No wonder I can hear anything with my headphones. I had the wrong output selected. Typical, typical me. Um, first up on the reviews is the Netflix series Dharma Monster, the Jeffrey Dharma story. 
uh, limited series created by Ryan Murphy and Ian Brennan, starring Evan Peters in the titular role, Niecy Nash, Molly Ringwald, fucking I did not recognise her at all, uh, Michael Learned and Richard Jenkins. Music was by Nick Cave and Warren Ellis. Uh, ten episodes of this, and it dropped on September 21st. So, I I thought this was great. I thought this was really good. Um, it's it covers pretty much start to finish, and it 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 begins again. I'm not going to spoiler territories. This is a slightly different scenario because it's it's based on real life events. So it's not necessarily, I suppose, spoilers of what happens, but I suppose more so when they happen. Um, but we do start off with his his arrest, and we kind of almost work backwards before then getting back up to the present day. Um, I mean, Christ. The, first off, I have to commend this show for the acting. Um, there's a few things I need to commend this show for. Uh, Baby Ice in the chat, 100%. I've been saying to... Um, I think she's in the chat, but she's very scared in the chat. Um, a friend called Lily. Um, I said that Richard Jenkins deserves like a primetime Emmy for Best Supporting Actor in this. Uh, he, he is incredible. And um, Evan Peters as Jeffrey Dahmer is just spot on. He he is in, just an excellent performance. Uh, and really also Niecy Nash um, playing the neighbour uh, Glenda Cleveland. The acting in this is great. So I think that is the first thing that should be up for some form of commendation like this has to be getting some form of um praise 100 percent um i'll also have to say for ryan murphy i've not watched too much of his true crime stuff i know he did the oj uh, simpson trial i know he did a show on uh, the murder of versace i don't even know versace got killed i don't know anything about fashion um but i've not seen those i have seen american horror story uh, not all of it. I got through a big chunk of it, but we've said before my opinions on the show always starts off really, really good. Very gory, very, you know, like great effects, uh, if you like that stuff. Always an interesting premise. Every season, though, barring maybe the first one, I would say, um, every season seems to run out of steam about halfway through and then flounder. I mean, even um, the cult one, I thought that I thought the cult one was pretty good, but again, ran out of steam before the last couple of episodes, and then it was like, are they padding it out now to try and end the story that feels like it reached natural end? But it, anyway, the point of mentioning those is that Ryan Murphy comes from doing these horror shows, which have a a lot of gore in them and violence, um, and so you could look at this show with a bit of trepidation, thinking, on one hand. Oh my god, are we going to see some insane gore and violence on screen? Because Jeffrey Dahmer, if you don't know anything about Jeffrey Dahmer, he committed some heinous murders, um, not just necessarily in terms of the way he killed people, um, in terms of what he did with them and his how his mind was working and his impulses and his... Um, how he was how he was and so there could be a bit of trepidation there in terms of on one hand as a horror fan is this potentially going to be gruesome like american horror story but on the flip side this is real people like he was a real killer sure 
But these are also individuals who 30, 40 years ago were murdered, desecrated, flayed, whatever, just uh, cut up with families. And uh, it could be construed as incredibly insensitive. But what they do in this show, there's not really any gore. There's a moment of fairly near the end, um, which I won't really say too much, but there's a moment near the end. But in terms of the presentation of the victims, I think this show does do a pretty good job at not making them just victims. It does a good job at... um, you, You get an insight into his upbringing like his his mother with her pill popping and um suicide attempts dr- you know whatever various drugs that she was taking while pregnant with him uh the relationship between his mother and his father while he was growing up um he really struggled to make friends um his dad saw that he had an interest in dead animals because they found dead animals in the house and thought oh okay he's interested in something i'm going to show him some taxidermy um, thinking it's a way to to connect, and oh, you know, it's it's biology at the end of the day. It's science. It's just showing how the body works. Not really quite understanding that how his mind would perceive these, and there's a lot of other things going on. It's not just as simple as oh, well, that caused it. You know, it it's too easy to look at something and go, well, that was what it was. It was the mum. It was the dad. It was, you know, nature v nurture. People will often go, oh, well, it was obviously the upbringing. It's not always the case. You could have the happiest upbringing and still go on to commit heinous crimes. There's not one definitive, it's obviously nature, it's obviously nurture. You know, it's it's too easy to say, well, here's the answer for it, that's what caused it. Sometimes it there isn't a, a an easy an easy route to it. Um so they do quite something quite smart here. We're not shown excessive violence. I suppose really his first kill is the one where we actually see him uh, take the person's life, uh, the hitchhiker. And then from there on, we're seeing these moments occur in his life. It's kind of jumping back and forth. We're getting to see his relationship with his father, which again, I have to say, Richard Jenkins, I thought was incredible in this show. I do normally associate him with stepbrothers as uh, John C. Reilly's dad, which is a very funny role. Um, and I, I love that film. It's one of my favourite favorite films in general. But he he plays this role excellently. So it does a great job in showing us the families, you know, behind it, the individuals that had their lives taken. They're not just numbers, which I think was very, very good, very powerful. I will also say, if you are watching the show, if you haven't watched it yet, episode six, which is called Silenced, I thought that was, that was, that was an incredible episode of TV. It was heartbreaking. I don't often get moved. Um, I mean, I did sort of find a few years ago, like after my my mum passed away, that then I would see something sad, like I don't know, I won't, whatever. You'd see something sad on TV, like an advert for something or whatever, and I'd get choked up, which would never happen before, you know. So I then was like, oh shit, I do have emotions. Um, um, but I often, when I'm watching TV or films, don't. You know, I'll be like, oh, yeah, that's sad. But I'm not like, you know, that's sad. <laughs> Which is hard to hard to display. And if you listen to an audio, I'm thinking he's just saying the same thing. Um, but I found episode six really quite moving. Uh, it's focusing on one 
victim of his in particular, one of the one of the victims, a guy called Tony. Uh, I can't remember the chap's surname. Tony Hughes, played by Rodney Burford, um, who was uh, a deaf a deaf man. And that, oh my god, that was very powerful episode. Very powerful episode. And the relationship him and Jeffrey initially kind of have seems like, okay, this could maybe be a turning point. Um, uh, that's, I think, if people have watched the Dharma show in the live chat, uh, let me know your thoughts on the show as a whole. But I mean, if, I thought Silence was probably one of the best episodes of the series and one of the best episodes of TV I've seen in quite a while. Um, and I, I don't like to throw out hyperbole hyperbole uh too often um but i thought that was great uh, so i finished the show today and like i said i had to do some studying in between bits and bobs kind of going on so i didn't manage to get uh, didn't manage to binge it um but i've watched it you know kind of piecemeal since it got released um i noticed Jeff jennifer lynch directed a few of the episodes daughter of david lynch and um i mean everything was great my only sort of slight no, it's not even a complaint but if i'm gonna have to if i'm gonna nitpick at all um it's got this mixture of darks and yellows as you may be able to see with the promotional image there um or if you watched it on netflix at all the uh the the color palette chosen uh was a lot of yellows for the tone um, if people don't know about colour palettes and colour correction stuff, you'll notice some films just have a certain feel and that can come through from the colours. This has a very orange, yellowy glow tone in a lot of the scenes. And that's fine, but there's a lot of all scenes that are just incredibly dark. So I was constantly having to turn up the brightness on my TV. And I've got a decent 4K TV, but if I had to nitpick and say... Oh, they could have just made it slightly brighter in some scenes. But I get that with House of Dragons as well. I think that's just the thing with these days where they want the the dark scenes, the night scenes to be incredibly dark so you get true true dark on your screen. That's great. But some moments you're just like, I can't really tell what's going on right now. Um, but no, I really actually thought this is very good. Um, Evan Peters is incredible. Um, it did a great job of telling the story I feel, and I think that also the incompetence and ineptness, um, whether it's a mixture of white privilege, whether it's a mixture of homophobia, whether it's a mixture of racism, or all three, uh, but the police, um, really terrible in this film. Uh, not all the police, but it's essentially the police that um, early on, Dumb meets, and they're just like, look... We arrest you that's going to ruin your life you're a young kid you know you got your whole life ahead of you could that just be because he's a white male in the 70s um let's not throw it away let's not ruin that um and then with the 14 year old kid who he does approach after he's drugged him with a, a, a power drill and say i'm going to make you a zombie because he wanted to he wanted to basically make uh, a living zombie he basically wanted a companionship where they wouldn't leave him um and he did try and commit, create these uh, living zombies a kid escaped 14 year old kid and the police i mean you'll see it if you watch it or if you know the story the police took him back to the apartment on the pretext that dharma had said that's his boyfriend he is of age they were just just doing gay stuff you know and the police were like bear in mind this is 1990 the AIDS epidemic, a lot of people 
didn't know the ins and outs of it or of what it was about, and so they didn't investigate further. They marked it down as a uh, a dispute. I won't go into too much more because I do highly recommend you watch it. But uh, my score for Dharma, I'm going to give it an eight point five out of ten. Yeah, yeah, I think eight point five is fair in my opinion, and I I think the uh, it's a good portrayal of the story. They let moments simmer. You you get an understanding for some of his um not what he does, but in terms of his development and his issues. And there is one moment, I think it's in episode two, and he's living in Florida, I believe, and he's talking on the phone to his dad, and his alcoholism plays a, a large part in this as well. He's often always drinking, and things seem to occur when he's had quite a bit to drink. And there's a moment he's talking to his dad on the phone. And Jeffrey Dahmer's very softly spoken and calm and docile in the way that he talks. Um, that's a bit of hillbilly-esque. He's not like that. I can't do the accent. But there's a moment when he's talking on the phone to his dad, and his dad's always kind of shown some concern. His, his dad pushes him, but that's just because he's always, like, make have, making mistakes in life and all this stuff and doing horrendous things, but passing it off with really bad excuses. He's talking on the phone to his dad, and um, we've that's one of the first times we see some actual emotion from Dharma when he starts kind of crying on the phone because he's basically incredibly lonely. Um, he never really made friends at school. He doesn't seem to be able to have those interactions with other people. Has that hasn't had that development really? Um, and it's in one of those moments you kind of think, oh man, he just kind of wants a friend. But then you also see the things that he does and the crimes that he commits as it really starts to escalate. And it's like, well, he's still doing some fucking awful things, so you don't really feel sorry for him, um, but you get a kind of an understanding of some of his perceptions, but not not to the extent of what he done did, because what he done did was fucked. Uh, so what, what's the chat saying? So Baby Ice, Richard Jenkins, as Dharma's father, deserves an award. Fran the Cannon, the American crime stories have been pretty good shows. My name's not Earl. I remember enjoying my friend Dharma. Is there any similarities to the monster show? Um, Kind of. I mean, this is focused on Jeffrey and his, and his victims. Um, my friend Dharma was kind of 50% focused on on Jeffrey as, as he tried to make friends and tried to he developed in, in, in high school but also his friend um, or the person that was sort of his friend you know not knowing what was going on beneath the beneath the veneer um, so gonna, I wouldn't say too many similarities to my friend is Dharma, my friend Dharma um, my name is not Earl Richard Jenkins uh, is in my two favourite movies in the last 20 years let me in and Cabin in the Woods oh yes Cabin in the Woods I, I need to watch Let Me In again at some point. I remember watching it and thinking, it's fine, but I prefer Let the Right One In. Um, uh, Baby Ice, like the current craze with purple in horror films, talking about the colour correction. Yes, yes, very much so. Um, I think it works in in this in terms of its the palette, the tone, they've kind of given it like almost like a sickly sort of feel. Um, but I think it's just in some parts where it's like, oh man, this is, I, this is really quite dark. I can't really see what's what, what's occurring here. And Baby Ice will say, police didn't want anything to do with gay men or their problems and culture. They said, be on your way, kids, and leave us out of it. Yeah. Awful. Awful. And those police officers got awards and got promotions. Like, it was 
there's a moment where you see an award ceremony being held for two of these officers who sent sent the um, the 14 year old boy back who eventually then got murdered and dismembered and stuff um they get this massive award ceremony a bit later on and then um glenda gets this small quite impersonal uh like a award presented to her for her kind of her work in the community and it's really like shows the the lack of care um it's insane it's insane but yeah 8.5 is what i would give um oh shit (laughs) what what am I looking to click on? There we go. The score is what I would give Dharma. Uh, now, next up, it kind of feels like I should press this button. This is not a... Uh, a full moon review but it might as well have been rob zombies the monsters um i managed to watch a review copy of this it's meant to be on netflix but as far as i know i don't know when it's coming out on uk netflix because it was not on there today not at least at the time of me initially going to watch but this is the 2022 American comedy film produced, written, and directed by Rob Zombie based on the 1960s family sitcom of the same title. Uh, the story takes place prior to the events previously adapted in the series, serving as an origin of the characters. The film stars Jeff Daniel Phillips, Sherry Moon Zombie, and Daniel Roebuck as the titular family with Sylvester McCoy and Richard Brake as... Uh, Sylvester McCoy as Igor, sorry, and Richard Brake as Dr. Henry Augustus Wolfgang. It's a co-production of Universal 1440 Entertainment and Spook Show International Films. Um, it was, it's been released on digital Blu-ray and v- DVD and also available to stream on Netflix as of September 27th in the United States, I should say, because I don't think this is out in the UK yet. So where to start with this boy, howdy. Um, I feel I need to simmer a moment, get a swig of water. Huh. Okay. What do I start with? How do I start to speak of the monsters? Um <laughs> This is a tough one. So we know I've talked before about my opinions when the trailer came out. I was intrigued. Uh, I wasn't really at that point, I would necessarily say, a Rob Zombie film fan. We kind of, on last week's episode, discussed my my roadmap of thoughts and feelings on the Rob Zombie films. Initially a fan, then kind of going on that phase of, yeah, I mean, I don't like it as much as the last one, and then I don't think this one's as, maybe as good as some earlier ones, to then being at the point of, I'm not, you know, I feel that he's a good director, not a good writer. Um. Oh, interesting. In the chat, Baby I says it's not on the Netflix homepage in the US. You have to search for it. Fuck, oh, they've buried it on release. Oh. Um, that gives you some indication of the quality of the film. Um. Oh, my stream screens 
jumped across. That's weird. Da 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 da. Hmm, that's weird. It's sentimental sideways. Anyway, that's tech. That's tech issue stuff. We always get that on Ministry of Horror. You know this by now. You know how we roll. My name is not Earl. I watched it on Sflix. Don't know what that is. Uh, I won't promote it in case it's not legal. <laughs> um, but you've watched it. My name is not Earl. Fair. Um, and I've watched it. I won't say where. Um, <laughs> so uh, the first thing, I will give it some positives. I will give it some positives. This is a... I'd say it's a family film. Um, it, uses, it says it's a comedy film. I think they use that term loosely. Um, I use the... Re I, so I'll, I'll explain. I use the full moon retro review thing at the, at the start for this because it does feel as though this is uh, a... Um, Oh, it says something about my audio bitrate is lower than recommended. Is the audio okay, guys, in the chat? It could have been because of my long pauses a moment ago, perhaps. Um, but just let me know in the chat if the audio is all coming through okay. I may have I may have tech demons to look into. Wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> um, yeah, so the there's no... I would say the first thing with this... It's not, there's no effing and jeffing. As we know with Rob Zombie films, every character calls each other character a mother flipper, flip you, your, 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 your kib, your kib soccer, uh, mother flip flip, um, shib, shib piss, flip flip, mother flip. Um, there's none of that here, so that's, I guess, kind of refreshing. I've got no issue generally with swearing, but when it's every other word, it's like, hmm. Doesn't really sound like these characters are very well rounded if all they do is flip flop flip. I'm a redneck. Flip 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 that. Um <laughs> My name is not on the chat said I miss the Effin and Jeffin. And Fran and Baby I say the audio is fine. Good thanks, guys. I don't know what that was about. Don't know if that was just because of my long pauses and silences uh in regards to how to try and fairly review this. So one of the first things coming out of the trailer that got a little bit of hoo-hahs was Jeff Daniel Phillips' portrayal as Herman Munster. Now, I saw the Munsters, the original series. It used to get shown on BBC Two here in the UK, but fucking hell, that was a long time ago. Obviously, I didn't see it when it originally aired. I'm not that old. Um, but there'd be reruns, and I remember, I remember seeing bits and bobs of it here and there. Um... I but I couldn't I couldn't tell you you know other than the theme tune any storylines at all um or any particular notes of the performances so really other than the appearances I don't have a lot of comparison to go back on uh, I'm certainly not that interested to go back and watch old episodes of the monsters um sorry my dog is snoring like like just well, that seems okay. He's conked out. Um, I will put in the Discord. Um, I got him some... Uh, I was in the pet shop um, getting him some treats and they had a hat of uh, bat wings. So there is a uh, bat dog, which will go on the Discord at some point. Um, in the chat, Baby Ice Monster Go Home was a great flick. Okay, not seen. I've not seen any of the film adaptations across the years. And I know a few years ago there was one with like, Eddie Izzard called like 1313... Uh, whatever lane it is. 
Um, I can't remember whatever place they lived on. 1313, something or other. Anyway, so never saw that. I haven't seen any of the other... It's because it's been readapted many times over the years. Never seen any of them. Uh, so yeah, this is about the courtship. Um, Sherry Moon Zombies plays Lily Munster. So I don't have the comparison here to go back and say, oh, it's a good portrayal about any of these characters. Um, oh, God, she's not very good in this. Um, not not especially bad in comparison to anyone else. None of the performances are really that great. I do think Daniel Roebuck is the count. He's all right. He's all right. Um, and Herman Munster is... Okay, I mean, he's a bit of an idiot. He really is an idiot, and that's part of the character. Um, oh, baby, I in the chat. Thirteen, thirteen, Mockingbird Lane. That's what it was, yes. Um, but yeah, Herman plays a, an idiot. He's been created by uh, Richard Brake, who's only in a small amount of the scenes. And Sylvester McCoy is Igor. I mean, it just it looks very cheap. Like on one hand, I have to commend all of the sets because they have made like uh, Sherry Moon zombies. Lily Munster goes on a date with. Uh, Count Orlock? Count Orlock? Old school vampire, basically, at the start. I can't... doesn't say here. Don't know. Um, old school vampire at the start. And all the sets kind of look interesting in terms of... Oh, they've not just tried to do this all... You know, half-arse the, uh, the production values. The production. But at the same point, there's just this feel... That it's like a late 90s made-for-TV film. Like, okay, the only thing I could liken it to, so we talked earlier on about Hocus Pocus 2. So Hocus Pocus, 1990, 91, whatever it was, it felt like if you had a made-for-TV sequel to that, like in 95, 96, in terms of the sets, in terms of the lighting, it didn't have that cinematic feel. Um, and... You could say that that's in tone with the the characters and the story. I don't know. I don't have that comparison. I can't remember. But it just came off cheap. Um, we didn't have the audio issues that we had in the initial trailer. I do think it sounded fine. But Cherry Moon Zombie, that performance is all like this. All the time. That's basically it. That was basically Lily Munster. And Herman, he was just like this. Oh my god. Like, I mean, it's worse than that. That was an awful impression, but his performance, like... Um... It... Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know who this is made for. I'll be honest. I will say, when I watched the film, it did hold my attention in terms of the interesting kind of sets and appearance. But not in terms of, I'm captivated by this. This is a great story. Like, it's paced pretty well, I guess. I'm, try like, I'm trying to find some positives here. I don't want to just shit on the film entirely. Um, my name is not Earl. Did Zombie make the monsters during the pandemic? Um, and Frank the Candle also says, So without being able to swear, how did Zombie give his characters any personality? I mean, I would say that the characters do kind of had their personality but is that mainly based on the makeup mainly could be um i mean i don't know this wasn't this was reported for development in march 2021 and pre-production was in june 2021 so not really being made at the height of the pandemic like things are kind of opened up by that point um 
Uh, Fran the Cannon in the chat says, uh, clearly it's made for, sh um, for Sherry Moon Zombie, otherwise she wouldn't get any work. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, it passes. It passes an hour and a half. Um, I guess it held my attention. I wouldn't... It, it's, it's the kind of film where it's a comedy where... It's not a comedy in terms of the jokes hit, but it's one of those comedies that's marketed as a comedy, but you watch it and you're just kind of stone-faced throughout. But it has an okay pacing, so you're not like, oh, what's going on now? What's happening now? It's There's a lot of things going on in it, but not really of any substance. <sighs> so I'm going to give it a generous 4 out of 10. I'm going to be generous here. I'm trying. I'm trying, guys. Um, baby ice on the chat. I want Sherry to succeed. I think she has a few bright spots in her limited career. I know she can do better if maybe pushed by a different director. Yeah, I'd agree with that. So Sherry was, I thought, was good as baby in all three of the films. Like, I do think Three from Hell was a bit of a nothing film. It had some good moments. I probably enjoyed it a bit more than like Thirty One. Um. And the maybe not the Halloween films, but you know, maybe on par with the Halloween films because performances in it were sort of decent. There's a home invasion moment, which is which is pretty good, but really it was a bit of a nothing film in comparison to House and and Devil. So I do like the performance of Baby across all three films. I will I will say that, and her performance in Lords of uh, Lord of Salem. I mean, Lord of Salem was more interesting itself as a film because it was an art house film. Like visually, it was really, really interesting. Her performance was good, but she was generally playing quite a a dour, downbeat character. That she didn't really have too much to do in that film in terms of showing range. And her performance in Halloween as uh, as young Michael Myers' mother, I thought was was pretty good. She actually played that role quite well. The mixture of really downtrodden trodden awful situation home life um single mother having to strip to earn some money and then ultimately commit suicide uh performance in halloween 2 is completely unnecessary that whole storyline with the white horse was absolute bonk although i do think halloween 2 on later reflection later review i, I, I didn't hate it as much as i did the first time i thought there were some okay moments in it but still not a very good film um my name is not Earl in the chat. Zombie said he wasn't allowed to shoot it in black and white. It'd be interesting to see if this if this in black and white doesn't look as cheap. Um, because part of the cheapness, I guess, is maybe the lightning lighting, like everything. <laughs> not to compare to my one minor critique about Dharma, uh, being things in certain scenes being too dark. Um, but in this one, everything seems overtly bright, like poorly lit from a cinematic standpoint. So nothing has any depth to it. Um, so I guess I guess lighting is just getting critiqued this week. Uh, yeah, it's just overly bright. It just doesn't look very. Doesn't look like a film. It doesn't. It looks. It looks cheap. It looks like a made-for-TV film. Fran the can. Uh, baby, she may be right. Another director might push her out of her comfort zone a bit and push her to give a different performance. Yeah, I mean it is a bit s slapstick and 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 cheesy. It does feel like this film is well in inventive in terms of trying to create crazy set pieces and not stick to the rules it also feels a bit lazy 
in places in terms of some of the camera shots performances it also does this awful thing that i've always hated in films where they do those real cheesy sped up moments like someone running on the spot or throwing something and they speed up just that section and it always looks cack absolute bullshit all the time never looks good yeah so four out of ten um and that's that is me being generous because i do think you know it's cool that he's done a different film to his other films in terms of effing and jeffing and not doing outright horror um but this isn't horror it's just got monsters in it <laughs> i don't know what else to say uh zoran popovich was a cinematographer maybe it's maybe it's their fault i don't know um let's move on to homework so your homework guys i know uh i think baby i just ran out of time didn't manage to do the homework that's fine was the 2002 American psychological horror film May, written and directed by Lucky McGee, and probably what's his best film, at least, that I've seen. I don't think I've seen many of his other films. Uh, it stars Angela Bettis, Jeremy Sisto, Anna Faris, and James Duval, and it follows a lonely young woman, played by Bettis, who's traumatised by a difficult childhood and her increasingly desperate attempts to connect with the people around her. Um, yeah, I, I just always found this interesting, and always found may's character incredibly sympathetic um again not in terms of what she does she's almost like a, a degree of dharma in places here but uh man she's had a troubled childhood incredibly lonely hasn't been able to make friends bullied um her only real kind of true friend was this uh doll that her mother got her in a glass case called Susie. um her mother had said, if you can't find a friend, then make one. Um, she's had this lazy eye from childhood that she gets uh, fixed with glasses and contact lenses. She makes a relationship with a guy called Adam, which initially kind of goes well. She thinks she's fixated on his hands because she thinks they're, they're perfect. Um, she also has a bit of a, a, a flirtation towards her from her female colleague, Polly. Um, who she notices that Polly has a beautiful neck. Um, things do start to descend. Um, she she sees this uh, student type film that uh, Adam has made, where it's like a little bit of a horror picture. A couple are eating on a picnic, and then they start eating each other. And this kind of turns May on. It almost unlocks something in her that she wasn't aware was there. Um, things then start descending her life starts spiraling down and she ends up kind of killing uh kind of killing some people she decides that there isn't a perfect person out there for her but there are perfect parts and she wants to make a a friend make a partner um she kind of starts descending into insanity um, but, I mean, Angela Bettis' performance in this, I just thought was incredible. Um, I kind of think it's a shame that she's not really gone on to kind of break out mainstream, really. She's done a few other big performances. So she was previously in Girl Interrupted, um, The Toolbox Murders, which was shit, to be honest, the, the remake of that. Uh, she's in The Woods again from Lucky McGee. 
Uh, all my friends are funeral singers never seen it The Woman which again is a Lucky McKee film uh, 12 Hour Shift which I do have on my radar to watch I've not seen it yet um, yeah with David Arquette in it um, Ghost of the Ozark which I know is on Shudder again not seen it yet when um, she's done some TV shows she was in Dexter she was in Criminal Minds CSI uh, Twisted Tales House Masters of Horror uh, she's in the television film of Carrie in 2002. Um, also in Sliders. God, I remember Sliders. Uh, yeah, but what do we think? Has anyone managed to watch May? And if so, what did y'all think? Uh, in the meantime, what have we got in the chat? Brown the Cannon, uh, talking to Baby Ice. You may be right. Another director may push it. Oh, yeah, we mentioned that earlier on. Um, also saying 12-hour shift is worth a watch. And Baby Ice says uh, In the Woods is not worth a watch. <laughs> um but yeah, did we manage to watch May? Um, but if not, I would say give it a watch at some point. I don't. It's not on Prime at the moment. I know that. Um, but if you got other means, legally, ideally, give it a little watch. See what you think. So, in terms of this week's homework, so I was kind of putting together all of my images and things on the show kind of at the last minute as i as i tend to do because i was watching dharma because i was watching the monsters um i i kind of thought oh god what do i set for next week's homework what do i set and i thought let's do something actually a bit different let's do something a bit different i was going to go classic classics i did kind of say last week after may we're going to go old school um but uh i didn't <laughs> i i just suddenly popped into my head let's talk about something a bit different for your homework some of you may have seen it um some of you may not have but i'll be interested to hear your thoughts um you can either let me know in the chat if you have seen it, what you thought of it or if not try and watch it for your homework for next week's show and that is we're gonna talk about anime uh what i've called before japanimation and i don't mean that in a derogative term at all um <laughs> So we've talked before about like um, anime, manga, which I always thought was the same thing, but manga's a company and also a name for the books. Um, and anime being the uh, animation. Uh, I've never... <laughs> baby Ice in the chat. Cartoons. Stick with me, Baby Ice. Stick with me. Don't, don't drop off just yet. Um, I've not watched a lot of... Uh, a lot of anime. Uh, I, I grew up seeing bits and bobs of it. I mean, Street Fighter Two, the animated film, I think is incredible. That was my, that was my jumping off point. From there, I saw things like uh, uh, Fist of the North Star, um, Yuritsuki Doji, Legend of the Overfiend, which the first, well, I saw that and the second and maybe the third film, and they all really just made me think, what, what is this? If this is anime, I'm not interested. This is just weird. Um, but along the way, I then saw. This film, Perfect Blue, and I thought this is this is different. This is an actual thriller. This isn't an anime in terms of oh, there's some w weird gigantic tentacle creature that's sexually assaulting people or giant monsters from other worlds coming in and everything's enormous and crazy and half the story does not make any a lick of sense. This is very grounded. This is uh, Hitchcock, but in animated form, really. I, th I think this is a brilliant psychological thriller. I'm surprised that this has never had, really, 
a true live action remake and maybe that's kind of for the best maybe the closest thing you maybe could get to to a uh, a, a remake or an adaptation to a degree could be Darren Aronofsky's Black Swan like partially you can sort of sense a bit of a uh, influence there um I've oh, got some chat about animation in the uh <laughs> in the live chat so frown the counter manga is print um so manga is also a company though isn't it because i remember the logo because that was at the start of street fighter 2 the animated film um gruff street fighter 2 is awesome still holds up uh, so well even now and has a great soundtrack it's got allison chains on it love it baby ice we're gonna get bullied in the hallway after class we must band together <laughs> Uh, Gruff on Perfect Blue. Wow, I remember that is very, very good. Round the cannon, Overfiend would be classed as hentai rather than normal anime. Oh, right, okay, so that's what I watched then. That put me off anime, to be honest. Um, Perfect Blue is intense, Round the cannon says. Uh, Gruff, perfect, forgot all about Perfect Blue. Yeah, thought you were going to say you're at Sukitoji. <laughs> no, no, God, no. I don't want, I don't want to get the channel, I don't want to get the channel dropped from the network. Oh, God. Uh, but yeah, Perfect Blue. It's uh, directed by Satoshi Kon. Screenplay by Sadayuki Murai. Um, starring, like the voice acting, uh, Junko Iwao. Uh, oh, I shouldn't really have <laughs> the cast. I'm fucking awful at these names. Rika Matsumoto and uh, Shiho Niyama. Uh, it tells the story. Um, oh, it's based on a novel. Oh. Do you know what? Never knew that. Let's let's put this in in the Amazon machine. Obviously, very bad doing this on a live live streaming show. Um, da -da 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 -da, Amazon, perfect blue, complete metamorphosis. Um, perfect blue, complete metamorphosis is the is the novel. Um, twelve pound seventy two or Kindle seven pound twelve. Hmm. Not bad. Didn't oh, 120 pages. That's a bit short. Is it a novel or is it an anime? And there's two volumes. Bloody hell, I don't know. Um, I'm getting confused now. Anyway, let's move on. Um, da, 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 perfect blue. So yes, this uh, it tells the story. Uh, blah, 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 follows a member of a Japanese idol group. So idol group, I guess, is basically like a pop group. Um, I do not know anything about J-pop, K-pop. I don't know anything about that stuff. Uh, Japanese idol group who retires from music to pursue an acting career. Uh, she becomes a victim of stalking. Gruesome murders begin to occur and she starts to lose her grip on reality. Um, it deals with the blurring of the line between fantasy and reality, a commonly found theme in Con's later work such as Paprika. Don't know what that is. Um... Brown the Cannon says uh, in the chat, other good anime movies, Akira and Vampire Hunter D, Bloodlust. I'm pretty sure I've seen Vampire Hunter D because I always got that com confused with Helsing. And I did try and watch Helsing because I did a while ago try and get into into anime. Um, Helsing was a bit too... I mean, the first episode, there was just a lot of um, overt sexualization, which I thought, oh, this just seems... This is just giving me... Yuritsuki Doji vibes, not interested. Um, but Akira is excellent. Vampire Hunter D, I remember being very good. Uh, Baby Eyes, Akira and Vampire Hunter D, the only anime I'm familiar with, to be honest. 
Um, baby eyes, I'm submitting Who Framed Roger Rabbit's future cartoon homework. I mean, that creeped me out. The uh, some of the scenes in that near the end, when that uh, the the bad guy melts someone in the acid pot. Um, Helsing Ultimate is the better version. Is that? An, I guess it's just regular Helsing that's on um, Netflix. Fran, yeah, the first episode seemed kind of interesting, but then there's just a lot of a lot of titty groping, which I thought this is a cartoon. Come on now, guys. Come on, what's going on here? Let's have some respect. Um, so, yeah, this is Perfect Blue. That's your homework for next week. It's a thriller. It's very Hitchcockian. It's quite violent, um, but it tells a great story. And I thought this was really, really good. Really, 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 really good. Uh, in the chat, the graph, I saw a re-release of Akira at the cinema a few years ago. Awesome on the big screen. And I still have no idea what's going on at times, nearly 30 years after I last saw it. Yeah, I remember picking up a DVD two-disc edition from Woolworths back in the day and being wowed by the film, but not entirely understanding large chunks of it. I've probably watched it about four or five times now and generally generally get the gist, but there are still moments where if you if you look away for a second and then look back, you'll be like... Wait, what's going on now? Um, it's kind of that thing that puts me off trying to watch something like Neon Genesis Evangelion, which concept sounds interesting, but I don't know where to start. There's so many different things. Maybe I just literally find just the show Neon Genesis Evangelion and just watch it. I'll try. But I don't know. I always lose interest. I tried to watch uh, Attack on Titan after about five, six episodes. I was like... This isn't really for me, to be honest. Uh, but that's your homework. Um, so, we're not going to do a gaming ad. I know we've been going fucking hour, an hour and 43 minutes before getting into the main topic of discussion. Oh, God. Um, well, before we get to the main topic of discussion, I will talk about a uh, a plan for a future episode. So, coming up in... I can't remember what date I've earmarked. I need to just confirm it. But I will have not one, but two guests on the show. Potentially maybe three. Um, but I think I've earmarked maybe the 25th for spooky season. But don't don't put it in the calendars just yet. But I'm going to have maybe two, maybe three guests on. And we are going to have a very special episode with uh, a number of different horror films. Some of our favourite horror films. And... Uh, debating voting and putting films in a face-off not the film face-off i mean who knows that might be on someone's list but putting films in a face-off position where two go against each other one goes through like a round robin tournament this is going to be a lot of fun i think i'm hoping it's gonna be a lot of fun should be entertaining content but um keep your ears posted for that i'm just looking to confirm a few things but that's going to be in a few weeks time i think that should be quite a fun episode um so in the chat, Fran account says, if you want tame, wholesome anime, try anything by Studio Ghibli. Don't really like Studio Ghibli. I've tried watching a couple of them. Too wholesome for me. Um, Baby Ice. Lawrence is going to pick Ghostbusters. We already know. <laughs> um, I mean, Ghostbusters might be in the list, maybe. Who knows? Uh, but it's going to be an interesting show, that one. So I think now it's time that we just get into our featured presentation. Oh. featured presentation we're talking about 
with the release last week of uh, Dharma Monster, the Jeffrey Dharma story, it's kind of brought uh, brought to the attention the focus, fascination, if you will, on um, serial killer media. But this isn't an extensive list. We're not going to be talking about every film, every TV show made on every serial killer. It would go on too long. I've handpicked uh, a handful of serial killers um, and uh, a handful of mainly film uh, adaptations of the stories, if you will, or dramatizations of the stories. And we're kind of just going to talk about do we feel, and if you've seen them in the chat, by all means, please join in and, and put your, your ideas forward. Do we feel that these are informative, maybe? Um, entertainment? And again, when I say entertainment, I'm not like, ha ha ha, look at that. I'm entertained. Lol. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about great pieces of media in terms of uh, thrillers, horrors, biopics, if you want to look at it that way. I mean, that might have a dirty meaning because we're not biopicking biopic uh, good people at the end of the day. Or are these purely exercises in exploitation? Are we taking the true crimes inflicted on people with families, individuals who had their whole lives ahead of them, and taking what happened to them and exploiting it for 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 cheap kills for for thrills as a as a piece of horror um we don't need to talk too much i mean i've also got the image here of uh, evan peters as as dharma but i kind of in the in the review talked about my my thoughts on the series i thought it was very very well done a good representation of the impact on the community um the life and development of Jeffrey Dahmer and his family, like his father specifically and his mother to a degree. Um, and also, yeah, the people in the community around him, the failings of the police. I think it was, with a 10-episode feel, it was done very well. It wasn't... I didn't feel it was too exploitative. Um, it has. It has made uh, some waves on social media. With members of the families. Um seeing these instances these horrifying instances kind of brought back up and uh, and feeling the, that terror again and having to relive it again and again i understand but i say understand i understand it obviously can't put myself in their shoes i mean especially someone like uh, the next door neighbor um in this is glenda cleveland i think she's maybe an amalgamation of two two people as opposed to just focusing on one one individual which is often a plot development uh, plot device in films or tv rather than having a representation of every single person around you could sometimes have someone is representing the actual events that occurred for this person and this person um but we saw that um um we saw that there was moments where the next-door neighbour could hear well, that she got the smell coming through from his apartment, the horrifying smell of the corpses burning in acid, um, being cooked up because he ate them, ate some of them, um, but also having to hear these struggles, awful sounds, and then power tools, and the police doing nothing. Well, you know, more often than not. So really, I think starting off with, with Dharma, we don't need to talk too much about it because 
we've talked in my review about it. I do feel that it's a fairly well-rounded uh, piece, but I understand there's a bit of a hoo-ha at the moment uh, about it. And also, I would say one of the things that this show does, I didn't talk about in the review, which is quite interesting, is the media fervor, um, for all, whatever the, the correct pronunciation is, after he was um, arrested and his crime started making the media, he would then get fan mail. There was a, a comic book about him, almost portraying him like a, a Jason Voorhees and Michael Myers. Um, people posing for pictures outside of the apartment building, you know, apartment 213 was his, but in the, the building itself where people still lived. And the insensitivity, because sometimes these things occur and people don't think about the victims and don't think about them as real people. They think, oh my God, oh, that's insane. This guy did these things. Oh, that's sick. That's so cool. And there's this uh, morbid fascination. And people don't think about how insensitive it can be. We, we see it with the letters and the money that he gets sent when he's in prison in the show um there's also yeah people posing for photographs outside the building um the phone calls being made to the family members because of how uh, i guess you could say reparations or 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 money made by jeff or relating to you know him or his family was paid out to the family members of the victims and some of them were receiving like prank phone calls of incredible racial abuse and almost being dehumanized and almost the victims being made to be just names and oh this is really cool oh this is insane what he did i think it does a good thing of kind of covering those bases because a lot of the times people don't think about the real people involved and just think on the crime itself so with that said we're going to first off talk about the 2002 uh jeremy renner starring horror thriller drama directed by david jacobson co-written by david burke um called dharma with hawkeye himself playing jeffrey dharma in a very early role for him uh, it's based on the crimes of jeffrey dharma an american serial killer who murdered 17 men and boys in both bath ohio and milwaukee wisconsin between 1978 and 1991 stars jeremy renner as dharma and co-stars artel great matt newton dion basco bruce davison uh, so in the live chat, have we had anyone seen the 2002 film Dharma? And I'll just catch up on what's going on in the chat. So Fran McCann said, kind of adjacent to this topic, I've seen a few articles recently asking the question if current media is glamorizing cannibalism. Um, interesting. Interesting, because I, I don't, to me, I don't think so. I think that, I mean, I've just seen in the chat, Baby Isle said, no way this show's Glenn Rising Cannibalism. That would have been the Hannibal show. Um, yeah, so with this, there's only a couple of moments where we see him involved in cannibalism. There's a moment where he drinks blood from a blood packet stolen from his one of, one of his many, many jobs, um, which I guess you could say is a form of cannibalism. It's consuming another human's uh, life fluid. Um, we also see him cook up and consume, um, I guess it's a liver maybe, I'm not entirely sure. And there's a moment when he speaks to another person and he offers them a sandwich and he won't confirm what the meat is in the sandwich. It's a very, very creepy scene. 
Um, but I wouldn't say that this is glamorizing in terms of you know the the tv series I, I don't know about other media to be honest i do sometimes think when a new show comes out people may potentially not even with it with having seen the show may not have even seen the show or the film may go oh they're making a new film about this man that was a cannibal but why are they trying to popularize it and maybe jump on that anti- bandwagon because i yeah i i didn't feel that they were glamorizing it they very much while he is a central figure in the show i didn't feel at at any point they tried to make him seem like a good person you know it showed him as a well it showed a well-rounded representation i felt in terms of his upbringing his mental state and development but uh no, I, I as much as I do love the show Hannibal, I would say potentially because it's a very art house approach. Mad Mickelson's very charismatic as as Hannibal. Um, you could find yourself finding him quite endearing at times, even though ultimately he's a main character, um, and he does seem to be in places good. He is still doing awful crimes and he is still eating people. Um, so that's the Hannibal TV show. Baby Ice in the chat. Tons of criminals and history had cultish followings. Fans, yes, it's a very, a very weird thing. Uh, Fran can it must have been tough for any survivors of the family or any victims when these kind of things come out. Even if they avoid the show film, I imagine it still creates public interest in them. Yeah, of course, and, you know, they could generally have social media just as anyone has the right to have social media. And when any of these things come up, ultimately somehow it's going to find a way into their feeds or them being tagged and people knowing them and uh yeah it's got to be just something that keeps coming around and around and something they can't really get away from which is is awful um my name is not earl i forget there was a renner it's been a while since i've seen it baby ice this might be a hot take but if anything was glamorized it was the neighbor she made herself just as big a victim as the others who were killed by dharma a friend account that was specifically about this show but how it's been used in media recently raw yellow jacket etc um oh yes i've not seen raw i've heard of raw yellow jackets um I mean, again, it's another thing where I, I watched the Air Jackets, really enjoyed it. Uh, but I don't feel they they glamorized it. I don't feel that they made it appear as though there was something cool or something endearing or interesting about about consuming uh, consuming meat. I've not seen Raw. I know that that cannibalism is a, is a central thing. And I know Raw is meant to be very good. Uh, it is on my list to watch at some point. Um, but yeah, I do feel that sometimes media outlets will will jump on a current thing and put a spin on it or put a focus on something without without really giving it a not giving it a chance because that sounds like I'm talking about giving cannibalism a chance uh, <laughs> without giving uh, that type of media a watch and. Not jumping to conclusions, I guess. Um, but yeah, this this Dharma film it um, it follows his life. I mean, it's basically kind of condensing what occurred into a, an hour and a half film, or just under. Well, yeah, it's about an hour and a half. Um, it's, I mean, it's okay in comparison to one or two of the other films we're going to be talking about later on. Again, our focus here is primarily on on Dharma, 
And I think when you have a film like this, where it is a essentially like a biopic of a serial killer, and they are your central figure, and they are the focus of the film, then you are um, you are basically making them the focus and making the victims and all that secondary victims family member people around him as uh as a secondary um da, 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 da. i mean i think with the with the end of this though there's a, it's it doesn't feel as though from memory this was entirely accurate to to the events obviously with with everything they have to embellish that some things you know from the from the actual reported events and dramatize some elements to make it it's, it's a film at the end of the day it's a it's a piece of media it's got to appeal to an audience um but i mean do we have any fans of the film dharma in the live chat it's i, I remember watching it and thinking it's better than a film that we're going to talk about shortly but it's it's not especially intriguing and i do feel that with the focus solely on dharma where's our from a from a cinematic standpoint where's our protagonist and antagonist i mean sure Donald's the antagonist but if you're focusing solely on the antagonist you aren't seeing any anyone to really root for in a weird way it's an odd thing and i think that's part of the problem i do find more often than not with serial killer based biopic films um yeah, I just thought this is it was an okay film. I don't think it was especially great. I think that we could have had we we could have made it more interesting by having more focus on the life of someone that came into contact with Dharma at the same time when the focus is purely on the killer. I just find it a bit eh, eh. um what have we got in the chat? Baby Ice. Uh, now, this film could have been considered exploiting the story back then, um, but this current Dharma is an entertaining biopic series. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Like, where we... where You could say that this is potentially exploitative because the the kills are almost like a body count. It's not focusing... The film doesn't focus on all the people he killed, um, but it is... It is entirely focusing on Dharma, as with the, the title of it. Um, which just makes it a tough watch, I felt. Brand the Cannon. Is calling these films horror, pushing it more towards entertainment, rather than calling them true crime or biopics. The horror label then puts it alongside your Freddy Jason, etc. Yeah, with it being a horror thriller drama, it's, it is taking it away from being a, a biopic. And I do... It's a tough one because these are moments in American history, world history, of something awful happening. And we get it with war events like World War, world war films, uh, particular moments in history of events, just, you know, films that are based on true life events generally deemed as biopics that may have tones of being a drama or thriller based on true events. But when we have that label of um horror it does kind of almost by default feed it into being a focus on kills which you do which is 
a, a main staple of a lot of horrors. So, yeah, I'd feel this personally falls more into the exploitative realm um, of things. But we're going to then move on to a different piece to conclude our Dharma segment. We've got a couple of others coming up. My Friend Dharma, 2017 American biographical drama film written and directed by Mark Myers about American serial killer Jeffrey Dharma. It's based on the 2012 graphic novel of the same name by cartoonist John Durf Backdurf, who had been friends with Dharma in high school in the 70s until the time Dharma began his killing spree in 1978. It stars Ross Lynch as Dharma, Alex Wolfe as Durf, uh, Dallas Roberts as Jeffrey's father, and Anne Hesh as Jeffrey's mother. So, I think this is interesting. It's another end of the spectrum. It's a focus where you could look at it and go, this is a Jeffrey Dahmer film. But it is a, a biopic of the high school of um, John Durf, played in this by Alex Wolfe. A quick swig of water there. So, we are seeing the high school period of um of Jeffrey Dahmer we are seeing some of these disturbing incidences of his thought process how his his mind is these moments where he thinks that he's making friends by acting as if he has um uh a mental handicap um using that to to make people laugh and assuming it's friendship um and that's kind of his initial way of trying to, like, doing pranks, um, trying to kind of gain friendship. But we're also then seeing the point of view of um, of Durf and how he is he is pals with Dharma to to an extent, but Jeffrey's kind of becoming more disconnected with reality as this time goes on. Um, this film ends with the the moment leading up to the first kill of Jeffrey Dahmer. Um, I think it's quite interesting because we see a moment where Jeffrey almost goes to kill um, kill his friend Durf, but doesn't, and see the potential peril that this, this guy was almost in. He could have very well potentially almost been, um, as per this this um accounting of it. he could have almost been the first victim of Jeffrey Dahmer. Um but then ultimately leading to the moment of him meeting Stephen Hicks, who's a hitchhiker on the way to a concert. So this to me feels more in line with I suppose entertainment. It's one person's account of their biopic of their growing up period. And imagine if twenty years um, or like 15 years, whatever, 16, 17 years after high school, hearing on the news that someone that you went to school with, that you were friends with to an extent, has killed a number of people in incredibly gruesome ways. Um, I mean, how do you process that? You would start going back and analysing all your interactions with them. Especially knowing... Now, I don't know how accurate this was that uh, Jeffrey had a bat and was going to strike Durf. I mean, obviously, if you're in that situation, if you know someone's going to strike you, you're going to 
get the fuck out of there. And that maybe was being embellished for entertainment purposes. I mean, but it was a great scene. It was a moment where you think, is he actually going to, is he going to do it? Has he finally kind of given into his, his weird desires and feelings? And knowing what we know, and it is confirmed at the end, what uh, what happens that Hicks was never seen again, and we obviously find out through the confessions what happened to him. Um, I do think this was uh, an interesting, an interesting portrayal. Um, I just had to deal with something there. Um, but what do we think? Have we seen my friend is uh, my friend Dharma in the chat? What do we think of it? Did we enjoy it? Uh, do we think of it more of exploitation or entertainment? Um, so I, I generally enjoyed it. I generally thought this was... Uh, I generally thought this was actually quite a, a, de a decent drama, that biographical drama, as, it, as, it's, uh, as it's called. So moving on from Dharma, we're going to go to another killer now. There's a fair bit of mention of this killer in the Dharma show. And that was the serial killer. John Wayne Gacy. Um, born 1942, dying through lethal injection in 1994. He does feature briefly in the tv series of dharma monster the jeffrey dharma story um we've got two films relating to him um and i think they're both very different so the first one i think was more of a limited series than the film it was a two-part television film which i am going to see if it's available because i thought this was actually really good um to come on amazon to catch a killer um, DVD, £23, two pence on DVD. Are you shitting me? Or VHS tape, £17.99. I'm going to have to find a link for it. <laughs> I'd like to watch it again, but I'm not paying silly money. Um, yeah, this is a two-part series, television film from 1992, so only like a year. A year or two after he was, uh... oh no, he was still alive at this point. Shit, he died in nineteen ninety four. Um, so yeah, two years before he died. Uh, two two part television film directed by Eric Till, starring Brian Dennehy and Michael Riley. It's based on the true story of the pursuit of the American serial killer John Wayne Gacy. Um, so I I thought what was interesting with this. And especially from the title is this is the police pursuit to try to lock down John Wayne Gacy as as their suspect and also as the man that has done these heinous crimes. Um, we're not focusing on him growing up, his marriage, the murders, um, all of that stuff. We're not focusing on those moments. He isn't our main focal point as terms of his actions this is um this is 
more so about him finally being stopped and his attempts to evade uh, evade the law. People don't know about John Wayne Gacy. Um, he is often remarked as uh, the, the clown killer because uh, he would dress up as clowns for children's parties. Married man, um, business owner, local businessman, um, and it was eventually found to have killed like 29 bodies, 29, 30 bodies, or 33 bodies of men and young boys that he'd raped and murdered, and a large number of them he had um, buried under his house, or in the, in the crawl space under his house. Um, Fran the Cannon, Grace is one I know almost nothing about. Well, Netflix have done some some shows. They've got one coming up soon, documentary series, Conversations with a Killer, the Jeffrey Dahmer tapes that's coming up soon. And the prior ones that released last year was Conversations with a Killer, the John Wayne Gacy tapes. I Now, that is a very good series because, again, the focus really is primarily on um, trying to identify victims' bodies found so then they can finally be put to rest. We get these interesting tidbits of these conversations with him at various, you know, talking about various points in his life and seeing how his story changes, but really the focus is on trying to identify and put some peace for these victims, which I think is very good. It's the important thing to do, really. Um, there's moments where they're talking about one particular person that they, they, they've been trying to look for. And in the conversation tapes, because his body wasn't found at the at the house, Gacy just kind of says, well, maybe this guy got in a car and was taken across the long bridge out of town to a road that just ends, uh, and maybe he's out in the water, but I wouldn't look for him. Um, if he is out there, you'll never find him. And he's being very vague, but basically saying that's what's happened to him. It's it's he's very interesting, um, obviously for a morbid fascination point of view, because he committed, again, heinous crimes. But to catch a killer is definitely definitely uh one that i would say is worth watching in terms of it's it's more of like a thriller like a made for tv thriller um as opposed to a biopic and again the focus isn't on him killing and him being shown to do these awful crimes the focus is on the police hunting him down to catch him um so have people seen to catch a killer in the chat. Uh, so maybe I said it's got to be available on YouTube. No, I'd usually find you can find all TV movies on YouTube. I'll have to have a look, Baby Ice. I'll have to have a look. Um, Baby Ice, Netflix has great docs on Gacy, Night Stalker and The Ripper. Yeah, and Sky have also got a new uh, documentary series that I'm going to start watching about Gacy, about how he was able to operate in public without being found for so long. Um... Uh, Baby Eyes, Ted Bundy and Son of Sam 2. My name is not El Pogo the Clown. Yes, that's what he was also. Very, very creepy. Very creepy. There's a moment where he's Pogo the Clown in in Dharma, and I don't know if he ever killed dressed as the clown. That may well have been done for dramatization's sake. But it's a very creepy scene. Um, and you may be thinking, why is, da why is Gacy in Dharma? It, it makes sense in terms of some of the timelines overlapping. The celebrity status that was getting applied to serial killers in the media and you know comic books being made about them there's also a moment talking about um ed Gein. so you know it's it's there's little moments of overlapping there 
So this was, yeah, that was that. That came out in 1992. Um, if you've seen it in the chat, let me know. I felt it felt more in line of entertainment than exploitation as we're focusing um, on him being caught as opposed to, well, it's not so much focus on the victims, but at the same point, we're not focusing on him at the stage of him killing. This is in the stage of him being brought to justice. Um, but I guess you can maybe see two sides to that. A film that I feel does fall on the other side of the spectrum is Gacy, also known as The Cruel Space, 2003 American crime horror thriller written and directed by Clive Saunders and co-written by David Burke, a director video release based on the crimes of John Wayne Gacy, American serial killer who raped, tortured and murdered at least 33 men and boys in Chicago, Illinois during the 70s, stars Mark Holton as Gacy. Um... This is just it's it's a it's a crime horror thriller. It's not really biopic. I mean, you can see from that front cover there, friend, neighbor, killer, Gacy. It is putting him on that kind of Michael Myers, Jason, Freddy thing of being. It's a horror film with this serial killer, and it's a shocking true crime. Um, film. That's what it's being sold as. This is covering moments from him as a teenager um, through to a number of his kills. Um, I mean, first off, it's not a very good film, I didn't think. Our focus is entirely on Gacy throughout. Um, we do have a, a number of moments of his his kills and his uh, uh, he, he so the way that he would kill people he would uh, there's a mixture of drugging I believe but he would also like bind their hands saying that oh there's a little trick that I can that I want to show you that would involve having their hands tied up and I think he would do it on himself first to go oh look you can get out of the 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 handcuffs or the rope easily but then he would do it on them they couldn't get out and he got this sort of perversive kick out of it um my name is not earl gacy i still have my dvd from ages ago yeah this uh, i just feel that this falls definitely more into the exploitation there's no real focus on on his any of his victims or the families of them and I, you could almost argue that with gacy he focused on a lot of male prostitutes uh runaways people that had maybe fallen through the cracks of society and maybe weren't being looked for but i don't think that's really any excuse to have them as body count which is what it felt like when i when i saw this many years ago um yeah to me this this feels like the focus is some purely horror uh, from a entertainment standpoint, which almost makes it more exploitative, I feel. But if people have seen it, um, Baby Ice in the chat says the cover alone tells you exploitation. Yeah, yeah. The focus is on it's a serial killer film, um, and that's what I feel that we also get with our next film on the list. We've got two more that we're going to discuss because, again, there's a lot of films based on serial killers. Um, there's a lot of straight straight to video trash that just flies under the radar. So we ain't we ain't gone to cover it all. We ain't gone to cover it all. 
But we are going to next up talk about uh, Ted Bundy, and specifically the film Ted Bundy. Um, Brown the Can, I've not seen it, but I've definitely seen that image. Um, I think it's on Prime, but I'm not going to suggest it on a watch party. It's it, So if it wasn't based on true events, if it wasn't based on John Wayne Gacy, it would be like a straight-to-video cut-rate not B-movie, because B-movies are normally kind of entertaining, but cut-rate horror. Um, not great, you know. One of those sort of things. But because we're being based on true events, it's just, it just feels a bit like it's using the scenario. But the film Ted Bundy, 2002, so there's a couple of these terrible ones came out at the same sort of time. Um, I mean, Dharma wasn't terrible, wasn't great, but that was 2002, I think. Uh, Gacy was 2003, this was 2002, Ted Bundy. It's an American crime drama film directed and co-written by Matthew Bright. It's a fictitious dramatization of the crimes of notorious serial killer Ted Bundy and stars Michael Riley Burke as Bundy and Boaty Bliss as Bundy's girlfriend Lee, a character based on Elizabeth Clofer, Bundy's real-life girlfriend at the time he committed his killings. Um... <sighs> This, this to me again feels like quite an exploitative film. Uh, our focus is almost entirely on uh, Ted or Theodore Robert Bundy. We see a number of his crimes um, and how he lured them in. And I guess there's been media that's been um, inspired by his crimes. So, like Buffalo Bill from Science of the Lambs, the way that he would wear like an arm cast or an arm in a sling and ask a woman for assistance only to then trap them in his car. That was something he did, something Ted Bundy did. Um, so utilising those influences for fictitious media representation, that's nothing new. But when you see it actually done as a, a biopic of what actually happened based on the individual, it again kind of falls into that line of we're seeing not just someone develop and their crime well the 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 aftermath of their crimes what led to their convictions the aftermath of that but we're seeing these crimes and we're seeing something awful happen to someone that that event or something of a similar ilk happened to a real life person uh and that's where it kind of then crosses that line into exploitation this does i mean this is at the end of the day it, it says here it's an uh, american crime drama film it is more horror it's maybe a slight step above gacy um but not too much really i didn't feel um the interesting moment i'd say is is near the finale of the film when when we see him go to to the the electric chair um and there's a bit of a focus to a degree here but not too much on 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 lee based on elizabeth uh clover about his relationship with her because he maintained a sort of healthy ish relationship um well and she was completely unbeknownst to to what he was doing and who the man that she was in a relationship with. And that's kind of part become part of the story, the lore, if you will, uh, of Ted Bundy, that uh, this is a man who 
Um, okay, similar to Gacy. He portrayed a certain image in society. This is a very charismatic individual. Um, had a girlfriend and seemed like an up-and-up character. Um, but committed these heinous crimes. And this one... Don't, I didn't think this was that good, to be honest. It's been a long time since I've seen it. In the chat, um, uh, my name is not Earl. I think that might be talking about Gacy, maybe. I don't know. I enjoyed it. Around the canon, I've not seen it, but I've definitely seen that image. I think that might have been about Gacy. Uh, my name is not Earl. Buffalo Bill in Lambs also lured his victims with false injuries. Is that the Bundy move of Tom Savini? Um... Yes, Tom Savini is a Salt Lake City detective in this. Oh, uh, yeah, good shout. Um, and Baby Ice, that's the next one we're talking about. The Ted Bundy. Uh, the last film we're going to discuss today is Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil and Vile. A uh, 2019 American biographical crime drama film about the life of serial killer Ted Bundy, directed by Joe Berlinger, um, who did all the Paradise Lost films about the West Memphis Free, I believe. And he's also the director of the um, various Conversations with the Killer Netflix documentary things. He's a great filmmaker. He clearly has a thing about serial killers, though, and, 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 uh, and murders. Um, uh, the film is based on Bundy's former girlfriend, Elizabeth Kendall's memoir, The Phantom Prince, My Life of Ted Bundy. Uh, it stars Zac Efron as Bundy, Lily Collins as Kendall, Kayla, um, Kaya Scodelero as Bundy's wife, Carol Ann Boone, and John Malkovich as Edward Coates, the presiding judge at Bundy's trial. The title of the film is reference to Coates' remarks on Bundy's murders while sentencing him to death. Um, <coughs> excuse me. My name is not Earl, says God Awful. Ooh, is that about the Ted Bundy film or about Extremely Wicked? Let me know, my name is not Earl. So, Fran the Cannon says, that duality between who they got um, the public to perceive them as and their true darkness is what allowed these people to evade justice for so long. It is quite interesting because someone like Gacy... Um, appear to be a, a loving family man, um, self-made, you know, contractor, uh, business owner. Bundy came across very charming, uh, was supposedly good-looking, a uh, women swooned, um, and used that to to get you know get by and kind of undercover as that as his mask. Uh, someone like Jeffrey Dahmer was almost almost just kind of flew under the radar like he he could never maintain a job so he could only really live in cheap areas which ultimately also were the more impoverished uh areas of the city that uh, the cops just didn't really want to patrol um and you could argue that there's a number of instances where he should have really have been caught much earlier much much earlier saved a lot of knives especially obviously the, the 14 year old that got taken back to his apartment by the police but, um, yeah, I mean, the strange thing is you got, uh, when Dunn was caught, he said, look, I'm not going to fight this. I'll admit to everything I've done. Um, but someone like Gacy, someone like Ted Bundy, they feel they're smarter. They feel that they can get out of these scenarios, that they can talk their way out. And it uh, doesn't quite work like that. doesn't quite work like that. So... Oh, oh, right, okay. 
My name is not on the chat. Says the Zac Efron movie is god awful. Oh, okay, interesting. Uh, Baby Ice says Ted was also blamed for the hillside strangling murders for a while. Um, yeah, I can't remember who that was. Was that Otis or was that? I can't remember. I can't remember who the hillside strangler was. Um, my name is not. Efron looks like Bundy. That's the only positive thing I have to say about Extremely Wicked. I thought Extremely Wicked was better than the previous Ted Bundy film. I will also say, though, I I didn't find it that interesting or that engaging. Oh, excuse me. I mean, it's essentially covering his relationships with then the moments of some of his crimes and his uh, his arrests and him escaping from prison and uh, or escaping from the jail um subsequent arrests his the conversation is more often not focused on on um his girlfriend because obviously it's best in the memoir kind of similar i suppose to my friend dharma where this heinously evil individual is a central part of the story but it's a, a retelling of this other character's experiences with them and the moments kind of going through this this awful case. I would say with this, we're not focusing on the killings. We're not focusing on, uh, from a horror perspective, him causing these horrific murders. Uh, this does feel more on the line of uh, I suppose maybe entertainment and exploitation because of us focusing on the legal ramifications and the relationships and the uncovering of the activities like imagine finding out that uh, oh your partner's been, been arrested Jesus Christ what for well <laughs> where do we start and then hearing hearing these things um it's it's quite interesting. I will say though that I thought this was to me this was a five to six out of ten film. Um, it's not necessarily bad, but it just didn't really hold my interest. Um, not entirely sure why. I think the pacing of it at times, from a cinematic standpoint, uh, the, the pacing of it at times kind of trudged trudged on a bit. So this wasn't really for me. I'm oh, just seeing the chat. Uh, Fran the Can, it was a pretty slow-moving film, yeah. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Um, so what do we think? Do we feel this was exploitative, or do we feel this was uh, more of an entertainment-based project looking at uh, the crimes of Ted Bundy? Um... It was fairly successful. I mean, I don't know what the budget was, but it was a yeah, it was a Netflix film. Uh, made nine point eight million at the box office, which obviously isn't huge money. But with it being released direct to Netflix, I mean, how many people are going to pay to see it at the cinema if they can see it from from the comfort of their own home? Maybe it's entertainment, true crime drama. I'd call it. Yeah, it's it's more of it's more of a drama. More of a drama, really. It's uh, in that ballpark. Um, but there's an interesting thing on the critical responses. Sonia uh, Rea of the Washington Post wrote that the film failed to distance itself from the glorification of Bundy and did not address the impact of his crimes on his victims' loved ones. 
Which I think is true. I mean, like we said, talk, talking point earlier on the review of the TV show Dharma, we do get some good focus on the uh, the victims' loved ones, the families, the people in the, the neighbouring area, um, you know, neighbours. Uh, and this doesn't really address that. We don't get to find out too much about who these people were, the lives that they led up to that point, and potentially were, where they could have gone had they not been uh, been murdered by Ted Bundy. So, but the same, it's a difficult thing because I guess the resource of having like a ten part TV series, you do have the time for that. I mean, we had like the like I said, episode six, silenced. We got a really good insight into the loving family of uh, one of the tragic victims um and we don't get that same insight with every family we do with a couple of others but it becomes a real sort of focal point because again you, you, if you have a focus on 17 different families it's going to go on for a very long time and at the end of the day you do have to make it a compelling watch that has a certain element of pace this is tv at the end of the day or in this instance film so it's trying to find that balance which i can't imagine is easy when you're covering the heinous crimes of uh, of a serial killer and the loved ones of the victims of that person um whew. well that's it really for what we're going to talk about for serial killers in in media I was going to look at BTK, but there's not really that, been that many films, at least of of potential warrant. The only one I could think of was the Kane Hodder film. Um, Zodiac obviously has Zodiac could also have Zodiac, but that's kind of it. Um, uh, Richard Ramirez has got a lot of made for TV based uh, based projects, um, and I mean, there's a number of other serial killers. But uh, yeah, that's kind of it for this week's show. So. I believe this week on Thursday on the network, there is a Turner Years podcast from Dave and Bericles. Make sure to give that a check out. And on the network, as of today, latest episode for members um, is Ministry of Marvel, the new show from uh, from Lawrence and Gareth, talking about all things Marvel. So if you're not already a member, we have memberships where you can get exclusive access to additional podcasts. Uh, we get new emojis, other things you can request. There's different levels you can request um, films or projects to be reviewed or wrestling, whatever you want. Um, yeah, there's all that stuff. Uh, Lawrence will probably be doing some gaming in the week, um, I believe. We're going to be recording some content at some point. Should be fun. And uh, I'll be later on this week recording the next episode of house uh, ministry of dragons about the hbo show house of dragons i'm not seeing the latest episode yet i will probably watch that tomorrow if not thursday um but that'll be episode six so we're now in the second half of the season interested to see where it goes but that is it for another episode of ministry of horror uh thank you if you're watching this live thank you everyone in the live chat if you're listening to this later on Thank you very much. Please give the show a like. And if you're listening to this on all the various podcast platforms, which you can find us on all over, you know, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, charting all around the world. This is an international podcast, an international network. Uh, be sure to like us on all those. Now, I'm going to play the credits. Um, again, I don't have all of the um, uh, memberships, members, in the credits list so apologies if your name's not there don't panic um i need to just not be lazy and get an updated uh 
and get an updated list um because i know we've had a few more since since uh, since i put this list on here uh so don't panic we will get an updated list but thank you very much uh ghouls and fiends and i will see you again next time <laughs>